What's up everyone, Aaron Teal here. Welcome to the Bass Galaxy. We're gonna get intergalactic, we're gonna get wild here. This is raw, real conversations about bass fishing, bass boats, and eh, sky's the limit in the galaxy. Today's guest is, he's a mentor, a personal friend, and a straight bass snatcher. He's done it from here to California, to South Carolina. This dude is a tournament warrior. And I like to call him Obi-Wan Kenobi, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Hatton. Have you been paying attention to like the wild stuff with Flurry and all of yeah. Talbot and all that? Oh, like yeah. you're a goalie guy. Yeah. What's like what's your thoughts on Flurry and all of this stuff going on with the Well, wild? I think Flurry's still got something left in his tank. For sure. So it it's if they have a solid enough backup or somebody that can take on you know 35 games right. and i think that they found somebody that they can lean on for a bit there's always somebody out there they can go pick up too totally so uh, you know they're they're gonna be fine yeah they're gonna be fine with the team that they have as long as you know kaprizov can stay in the country and yeah, holy smokes. What is going on with that? I don't know. He's like stuck in Russia? For... Well, they supposedly got him out, what I last heard, but we'll see. It's Uka. it's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, Literally. Oh, I did that. Da-da-ta. So, <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, Kaprizov, if we didn't get him back because he got stuck in Russia, that would suck. Were you... Were you a Talbot fan, though? I, I think Tal, Talbot was um, serviceable. Yeah. He wasn't dominant. Um, Flurry at times can be dominant. He can be unbeatable. Take a game And over. so I think that that, that factor, that, that card helps him play that. Right. You know, instead of just, here I am, I'm going to give up three goals and... Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have an 88 percent save percentage, and that's all I'm gonna be. I can't really take a game over in most situations. And I think that's the difference, and that's maybe what Garen liked a little bit more in the flurry situation. Well, there's like a story with like they rented Bill Garen. I think Pittsburgh did. I think rented Bill Garen that year they won the cup. Oh right. So I think they have like some history that way. Oh it's yeah, like, yeah. Billy called him and said, time to return the favor type of deal. Right. Yeah, and I don't know. there they are. Yep. And yep. I don't know that he'll be the last. Right. I mean, you never know what the heck's going to come down the pipeline now. Well, there's supposedly a really good young goalie coming up that they... Yeah, the kid from like, Sweden. Okay. That yeah. was their uh, top, what, 10 or 15 draft pick last year. Yeah. And then he stayed over there, and then he played on the uh, the, the national team. Okay. So I think we draft people say we drafted pretty good. I didn't pay it yeah. too much attention to it, but yeah, I don't know. They got a couple of good guys coming up. <laughs> a couple of guys got hurt last year and they'll be fine. Right. They'll be just fine. Anyway. You only gotta make it to the playoffs. Right. 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 Then yep. anything's possible. Only one out of thirty two teams wins. So it's a hard thing to do. You you gotta be in that sixteen or whatever it is that make it to the playoffs. Yep. We'll start there. Totally. But I mean it's July. We I mean we can get back to the to the good stuff this year. <laughs> right. But uh you've been having a really good season this year. I think you're what third in champions tour points and I 
I mean, for everybody who doesn't know, I, I learned a lot from, from you, I guess, and uh, I'm excited to have you here. So I guess you're killing it this year. It's been cool to watch. Yeah, it's been a it's been a solid year. You know, I started out with the Toyotas um, in Alabama and then Tennessee for two tournaments, and it was kind of up and down with that. Yep. We started out that way and made a couple of mistakes. Um, I cashed a check in a BFL in a Gunnersville tournament and then just tanked in the Toyota series. It just, I don't know what in the world happened, but it was one of those where you couldn't, I don't think I could have caught them at Molitor's Trout Pond that day. Happens. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, but, uh, yeah, went to Dale Hollow. Dale Hollow, I, I didn't, I, I didn't execute day one. Yeah. I had like five or six fish come off on jigs, which is not common mm-hmm. and didn't weigh a limit the first day. Second day, I kind of figured it out a little bit and ended up weighing a pretty good bag and came way back and just missed a check. But so you miss a check based on two fish that you lose. Um, and then went to um, Chickamauga and had a really decent practice for that. Like I struggle out there really bad and I had a really good practice. I just kind of went, I'm not going to run any further than, you know, every tournament is basically goes out of from Dayton down to the dam and I'm not going to fish anywhere north of there. And I'm really not even going to go up to Dayton. I'm just going to stay in the middle. Sure. And, and that's what I did. And, um, day one, I, I only weighed three fish, but I had three good fish. I had three fish for almost 12 pounds, I think, or something. And then, sure caught a really good limit the second day and end up making a check well had i caught two more keepers on day one i make the cut right right. which is 25 um then return to minnesota and then we go to the champs tour and uh went to the river and i've always struggled on the river and uh i had a really good practice i actually found fish swimming a jig and uh, ironically i mean i think i was fishing more smallmouth and largemouth areas than fishing largemouth sure and um it just happened to work it just they they weren't that falling water because so we lost from the start of practice to the tournament day about a foot and a half Mm -hmm. from what i could figure based on what the dock looked like and the rocks and all that we lost about a, a foot and a half of water and it was clearing up every day. Yep. So every day, like the the three days prior to the tournament, it was clearer and clearer. I'm like, oh boy, this is boy. I hope they get there. You know, I yeah. hope they stay. Right. right. They stayed pretty good. Um, you know, area that, ironically, four Bagley guys started out in the exact same area. Right. I mean, within earshot of each other. Yep. Um, yep. I would flip a jig in there, and it was like somebody was hitting it with a hammer. I mean, there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And tournament day, I think I caught one or two fish back there. And, <laughs> but it was every freaking flip Yeah. in practice. I was shaking them off. It's not very hard to shake them off in practice when they hit like that. Right. When they're tuning fork in the thing. Right. And um, anyway, so uh, tournament day came, and, um, you know, I got caught in that situation where I was coming back and coming back. I think I went into the half in... 11th place or something like that and then I was climbing up a little bit I was up in that seven eight range and I kind of got stuck where I couldn't really run anymore because I was gonna every time you catch one you're like really that didn't help you know right you catch one or two fish and and those guys weren't moving yeah or or it was like oh you gain a spot or you you drop two yep and you just caught two fish like how in the world does that happen you just caught two fish for five pounds right right um 
And so I, I got into the situation where I couldn't run. I was, it was going to cost me at minimum, at minimum 15 minutes of fishing for sure. Uh-huh. And it was late enough. It was probably an hour and a half left in the second half. So by that point, really, I'm, I'm really looking at maybe an hour of fishing and how much am I going to drop in that 10 minute run or whatever it ended yeah. up being. And then to make sure you get back on time to right. get back at 415, because I knew I was going to lose a few minutes on the front side of that to make yep. sure I got back. Right. Anyway, so I just stuck it out and I, and I think I ended up catching one more fish there and, you know, scraped out of there with the 10th place finish, which, you know, first and foremost, you're shooting for a check. Yeah. I mean, only one guy can win out of 50. Yep. So you can all go in there and say, yeah, I'm, I'm fishing to win. Well, it's my, one of my least favorite lines of the classic. You don't come to the classic to finish in second place. Well, or you don't go to the classic and want to fall on your face either. Right. And I, right. I'm not a, I want to fall on my face in a tournament kind of a guy. It's, you do enough of that without swinging for the fence. Totally. Right? Totally. So... Well, there's swinging, and then there's, like, swinging. Right. I mean, there's, there's different type, like, there's putting a big glide bait in your hand for right. five on, like, the river. Right. And then there's, like, you know, fishing your strengths and, you know, making sure that you're not getting too far out of your comfort zone where you can spin out. Right. Well, and I think normally, I mean, I... You know, people talk about, well, how do you practice for the Champions Tour with all the, the numbers of fish, right? Right. I don't practice any different for the Champions Tour than I did for eight fish tournaments. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I fished together. We used to fish eight fish tournaments. Yep. yep. You, you'd find a, a school of fish that was one, one and a half pounders. Maybe a two pounder was a good fish. Yep. And you had to keep that spot in the back of your mind. Right. Because you get to seven, now what do you do? Yep. At least I have a spot. I can probably go catch a fish. Yep. Or I can go beat it and beat it and beat it until maybe yep. we get a two and a half, three pounder out of the deal. Right. Like maybe the big one bites somewhere in there and there's gotta be one in that school swimming around. Absolutely. So I don't I don't really fish pre fish a lot different for sure. the champs. Sure. In regards to that. So um Yeah, and then where did we go after that first stop? We uh so finished tenth there. I'm really happy with that. Um then I had a tournament on Oh, I had a tournament before that. I'm in Alaska. We didn't do very well. Matt and I didn't do very well. Um, it was Alaska in the springs. Maybe. Yeah, it's a tough. I don't like Alaska. It's a couple of bites difference. And, Not yeah, a big Alaska in the spring guy. No. No, no it's a tough lake. Yeah. It's always tough. It's frustrating. I like it in the summer better. It, I like it way back in the heyday when you could deep largemouth one, actually. Right. Even well, though I like love catching smallmouth it's just it was fun then. those, those largemouth are still there they think so yeah they're they're largemouth are still there to win tournaments i think uh, i don't know spend them. the time probably i have to yeah yeah i mean i've i've seen what could be a you know 20 to 22 pound bag of largemouth i don't think there's deep. a 20 to 22 not that deep right i mean 12 feet of water yeah, yeah. you know yeah. And I don't know if there's a 22-pound bag of smallies out there unless every star aligns for you for a day. Yeah, every star would and, need to align. You, know, you just you don't can, get that big out there. You can pull up on one little turn with a little bit of cabbage or something on it, and yeah. three swings, and you got 12 pounds. Yep. So Three-and-a-half-pounders, good one out there. Right. Yeah, Yeah. there's plenty of those. Right. So so Waska stunk. Um, right. Then I filled in with a tournament on um, Lahamadu. 
Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Bob Beeman and I fished that. I won that sucker. Yeah, yeah. We ended up fortunate enough to win. We got, you know, fish weren't biting very good, really. I mean, it was kind of a two-spot pony that day or three-spot pony, and first spot had like over twenty keepers and sure um, one that made the ride. Gotcha. You know, yeah. And it was blowing so hard. I, I actually looked at it and I'm like. Just pick up a football jig I threw in here and practice because at least you can keep it down. Right. I was throwing a half-ounce regular weed jig, but I knew with that guy in the back of the boat, they generally struggle to get yep. that bait down. So I'm like, just throw a football jig back there, and he started catching a couple of fish. And <laughs> so that was helpful in that with that spot. Sure. And then went and ran around and ran around and ran around and came up on a little turn, and we ended up putting, I think we called out four fish. On sure. one spot at like one fifteen or something like nice, that. Nice. And um <clears throat> and I thought, I got one more spot in here. I'm gonna push it a little bit further. Matt and I had uh had caught a really good one over there a couple of years ago in a tournament and then there was just a wad of them over there. I pulled up and by the way, the, the this is the the ironic thing is everywhere you went on the lake there was nothing on the graph. Like there was nothing on 360, there was nothing, <laughs> or on live scope or whatever, and these two areas were loaded with panfish, huh. absolutely loaded. You could see them on yeah. 360, you could see them on live scope. It was like a wall of a bluegill. Yep. And that was kind of the difference in the whole day. And so the uh, I caught one like another 390 right at the end. Sure. Uh, it was almost the last fish we rolled in the boat, and then we had to go to make sure we made it to to weigh in and that fish actually bumped us over to win huh so why do you think the panfish were there i don't know what the deal was if, if some sort of bug was hatching or something or why yeah. why they were so concentrated in those couple little areas but that was the only couple places that i ran into them and sure. really the only places we got bit more than like a onesie twosie fish and none of those fish were good enough to make the ride so sure sure they were just really heavy on the panfish, I suppose, post-spawn, easy meal. Yeah. Um, finally getting to the weed line, those panfish were starting to get to the weed line, and that was probably a lot of it. You know, these years where it's cold in the springtime, those fish take forever to get out to the weed line where we right. want to catch them. Right. And sometimes they never get there. Sometimes, and they yeah. get in that godforsaken 7 to 10 foot of water that is just painful lost to fish. in that abyss. Yeah. You gotta, yep. In the Pat Martin zone. That is the, <laughs> <laughs> that is the Pat Martin zone. That's yep. when Pat Martin wins a lot of tournaments. It's a fact. Wow. That would be a Bonham zone as well. Bonham zone. Yep. Yep. About, call that a fighter zone too, maybe. I like don't know. Flipping foil. Yeah, yeah. Probably. The Bankston zone. The guys that like to short line a little bit more than yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I like short line, but to let them looking at trees or bushes or something. Yep. Flipping endless foil is not my favorite. It's some guys just love it. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. It's raised on the horseshoe chain. <laughs> we don't do that around here. Right, old Mink and Summers. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Not a stitch of weeds in the lake back in the day. Yeah, how was the grass set up on Lahamadu? Was it up? Was it uh, up? It's up, yeah. It's out to, shoot, those fish we were catching were in like 18, 19 feet of water. That's fun. So, yeah, they're where they wanted them to be. Yeah. There just weren't as many. You know, yep, yep. It's I had a tournament out there a few years ago. I mean, fishing a kids' legacy tournament, and I mean, I bet we caught over a hundred, really, and probably seventy over three pounds. Dang, I mean, it was 
lights Lake's out. Gotten good. Yeah, that was that was a crazy day. You think the zebra mussels have done a lot with that? Absolutely. I yeah. think they've helped on uh, whitefish, lahamadu, right? Uh, gull, especially. Yeah. You know, I mean, weights just seem to get better. I mean, even with the pressure, added pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, eight fish back. We were second. Matt and I were second in a tournament back in like 2001 or something like that on the whitefish chain. We had a big bag of fish. Right. It was 19, like 1993. Right. And we <laughs> lost to somebody with 1999 on eight. Oof. That was a big bag of fish. That's crazy. You know? Well, that was a tournament, too, that Tom Petron got DQ'd for something in. So he had it won, but he got DQ'd. Gotcha. Um, him and Good Richard stick. Head. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So um, Richard Head. That's yeah. a hell of a name. It is. Ah. Heck of a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, old like Brandon it. Moore's grandpa. Okay. Yeah. But great man. He's what was his mom fun. thinking? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had to say it. Yeah. It's times were different then too. Totally. I mean, it was an older gentleman so for sure but. for sure <laughs> anyway yeah Oops. yeah no you're good you're good i just couldn't i couldn't i you couldn't, couldn't help. you couldn't I, help yourself i couldn't help myself yeah yeah mole, mole, mole. <laughs> yeah but you go back and again same thing whitefish was a whitefish and and lahamadu were like 20 pound lakes eight for 20 was a heck of a bag out there right right you know I mean, we, heck, we won whitefish with, what, 26? That was on... What did we have? Was that, that was in the eight? fall. I thought that was six. That was eight. Oh. Yeah, we had like 26. Yeah, on Denny's. Yep. Back in... That's right. However many years ago. We had 26, and that, I mean, that six pounds difference is a big difference. Right. Yeah, And now lakes... you can pretty well do that out there. Yeah, no, you can do that... Yeah, it's definitely more common now. So, like, the li- it's definitely got to be the lakes. The fishermen can't be getting better, right? Well, I mean, I think it is. It's The fishermen are getting better, but I think the the inadvertent eating of zebra mussels yeah. creates a high-protein situation. That's, I mean, do they eat them? Well, the DNR says no. My live well says yes. But I think that... Um, Nick Gross and I fished a tournament on um, on Gull one one year, and it was just a dead stick tournament. You just throw it out and just Remember leave it that. lay and leave it lay. I got home that day, and my live well was I had about a half an inch of zebra mussel in the bottom of my live well. Really? Yeah. Well, I, if that bait's laying there and laying there and laying there, and all of a sudden they suck it up off the bottom, right? They're gonna get zebra mussel in their mouth. Totally, and they didn't really leave, right? They're gonna, they're gonna ingest those in a normal eating situation. They just happen to get in the live well and regurgitate them. Right, right. So, huh. so I think that it's it, it's an inadvertent, more growing. I see. Um, yeah, and they've created better predators because they can, now they can see a little bit further in all these lakes. For sure, grass grows deeper, right. more habitat for. Yeah, I think. I mean, uh, Grass grows out on Lahamadu to 26, 27 feet of water. That's crazy. You know? And it used to grow to what, 15? Yeah. The yeah. deep weed line was probably 15 feet of water. Right. And so I, your boat was is on, like, you're, if you fished any of your dots from, like, 15 years ago, yeah, you're, you're up in the, in, the, a lot of you're up in the stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the, the lower lakes have cleared up, and 
as or what we call them lower lakes i suppose lower lakes geneva victoria oh yeah 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 you know that they used to be dirtier water lakes with a shallow bite and no they're not right so right um geneva i think i saw pushing 30 foot weeds out there a couple of years ago 30 foot grass yeah and a lot of it's coontail yeah so now you got to rediscover how to fish that stuff totally tonka <clears throat> it seems yeah. to move the fish around more when that the deeper it grows they seem to get more nomadic right i've noticed that with a number of the lakes with the deep coontail deal especially tonka like go to the next meal right you know they just they're just renting so <laughs> zebra mussels create a bunch of rental properties yeah. yep. you're getting evicted right right yeah it's an airbnb <laughs> it was one night you got one bad review it was 10 casts with the carolina rig <laughs> what's that i know you don't throw that yeah no i had to do something in the back of your boat yeah something <laughs> gotta do something stupid to catch it behind you right you're obi-wan kenobi you did catch a, a really big tube fish behind me one time. Yeah, that was <laughs> lucky. Uh, sometimes uh, you'd leave a few for me. You left me a big meal that time. That was a really big meal. Yep. Well, basically, it's just uh, you guys will come to learn you do not fish a jig behind Tony Hatton. You have to catch the fish that won't eat a jig. So that's what I learned to do behind Tony Hatton and a lot about how to fish a jig so like that that's what was really cool was like fishing behind you was hard um and it made me made me a better fisherman for sure like you just you did you just you're a mop with that jig so like yeah i had to throw a tube or a jig worm it seemed like behind you to to get bent well and everybody can learn from everybody right i didn't throw a lot of bigger jig worms you know so i, I picked that up off of you as well um and, and we've all fished with really good in, anglers you know we talk about doug all the time doug oh, truck yeah. and um he happened to be i don't know kind of a mentor but i mean he was a friend that i went fishing with and I, I, he was a mentor in, in a lot of ways on how to learn to win a tournament or right um to be confident in what you're doing and i was fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with him in the boat and tony osborne uh-huh. and then um was league partners with Gary Becker. Sure. And, you know, people, Gary Becker is really where I learned how to fish a jig the way I fish a jig. Sure. And it may not be the exact same technique Beck did, which was to lean back on a seat smoking a cigarette and having, <laughs> having one hand on the rod and, and talking about, uh, you know, something with uh, Stan that used to own the Dairy King in, in uh, Redwood that, ran over a deer one time not stan it was a uh i can't remember the guy's name right now but stan was the other guy stan stelzer but uh okay you know uh oh it, it was just in there too anyways one of his buddies he'd be talking about that he he had this old sports car or a muscle car and he ran a deer over with it because he was drunk one night and on a back road and somebody uh-huh. dared him to run this deer over so he ran it over and then he's like oh my god what did i do <laughs> and then all of a sudden beck would be like just reel down and just jacking these fish with you know it was, it was all about the dead stick and the you know letting the bait lay there and then the fish salt. would come get it and i mean nine times out of ten it would be beck would have the big fish in our boat in a league night and so I learned a lot about just that kind of that patience of getting to that weed line and then just right. soaking it. Right. And, uh, 
you know, Doug did a lot more shaking and I kind of do a little bit of both, you know, you get to the weed line and you get, you find what that little nuance is. Yeah. And I say that when you find that nuance, those are the days that you generally do really well in a tournament, whether it's win or you, you close it out, you yep. know, you figure out that little something on a double stair step where it's, you leave a lay right there, you know, and they there's it. the grass, there's a the gravel, there's a the grass again, and there's a the gravel and dunk. Right. You know, and, um, it's figuring out that little tiny, little tiny thing and, and when not to move it, I guess is, I think people overwork a jig. So people um, overwork a lot of things, I think. And yeah. I learned that from you and Doug and like, what's interesting about like what, where you come from is like, you didn't grow up with the technology. Like when you and Doug were fishing, there wasn't like 360, there wasn't a lot of that stuff. And I noticed that fishing with you is like, you really dialed in your cast and your angles and you know, the cast you needed to make when you found that particular spot. And I think like anglers nowadays, I think lose that touch or that feel or that intimacy with a spot because of their electronics a little bit, would you say, or? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think that, you know, early on it was the triangulation or, one of the particular spots you're probably talking about, it was a pine tree and sure, you know, you had to, you had to hit the right angle and, and then what it was doing from that, that cast to the end of that cast. Um, you can't do that if you're not on the bottom. Right. So first and foremost, the biggest mistake people probably make with the jig is it never gets to the bottom. They move it too well, two, two things. They move it too much and it never gets to the bottom. And those are generally in conjunction with each other. Um, you know, the bait's made to fish on a semi-taut line. And, um, but once you get that cast, you got to pay attention to where it is. Now, spot lock's a great thing for that. That's fact. Right? So, um, for the guys that could really do that, it's just like the when the GPS came into play and then David Fritz kind of wasn't David Fritz anymore. Sure. Because all of a sudden, everybody can make the same crankbait cast. Yeah. Well, now everybody can kind of make the same jig cast based on having spot lock. Right. Um, but you, yeah, you have to pick up on where it is and what that cast is because that one little cast that could be half the size of a, you know, a ping pong table could hold every fish in your bag and you might not get bit the rest of the day. Yep. So you best hit that as many times as possible until you're convinced that they're done. Yep. And then maybe go back to them again later. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe maybe go try and tap that again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You you might want to. (laughs) <laughs> you might want to have some sort of a juicy follow-up give it date. another go yeah yeah um i'm always about giving this spot another go right there's always there's always another one ready to go on it you that's hope awesome to. you hope to if nothing well, else you have to find something that's your your confidence follow-up bait because you can throw the whole dang tackle box at it and totally it's it's not going to matter i, I watched enough guys this is a totally different part of the subject but you know, you watch guys that don't rig up 32 rods. I'm like, if I've got more than eight on my deck, I'm in trouble. Right. I'm in really bad trouble because I have no confidence in what I'm doing. Sure. And generally, if I've got eight on the deck, that means i got four that are exactly the same. Right. Right? Yep. Yep. Um, you know, it's because you're breaking off in the rocks at Vermilion or you're um, you're going to lose a couple to pike on right. a lead line. <laughs> It's not 
because I want to throw eight different rods. Small mouth will drive me to 10. Yeah. The large mouth, eight. Yeah. I'm with you. I much prefer a two rod Todd. You know, I know what your follow up bait is. Yeah. Brown jig after a black yeah. and blue one. Yeah. It's the old Gerald Swindle. Keep it simple, stupid. I like it. You know, I like it. There's three colors jig. I'll go with three. He says two, but I'll go with three. Throw a white one? Or yeah. 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 Gotta have a white one once in a while. Black, green pumpkin of some form. Got from the albino. Yeah. And, and then a white one. <laughs> but yeah, albino. there's really. People try to get too cute on all of that. Oh, for sure. You know, for you, sure. You can do a lot with a marker. You can. Yeah. Or yeah. nail polish. Right. I was I was markering out too my cute. crankbaits a little bit at uh, the old Pro Sunny Bees. We're getting a little bit of a love job at uh, at Vermilion. Yeah, I was taking I, away a little bit of the chartreuse on the bottom of them. It's funny you say that. Um, it's like a like you think you're the only one who's tinkering, got getting the bait figured out, and oh, Tony Hatton's doing it too. I had the ex girlfriend's baby blue nail polish out, just shining her up, and I think that was for your toes the night before, for sure. Yeah, gave myself was that petty. Banger that was doing that, or no, 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 we were no, okay, no. I think he does his own petties, okay, just like me, yeah. yeah. Not a big Manny guy, though. No. I like to keep these fresh. Yeah. Yeah. You got to gnaw on those. That's right. You don't need a fingernail clipper. You got teeth. That's right. So, so what do you think of that Pendleton? I, dude, I've been having some of the Pendleton. Uh, that's kind of like two. I've been drinking it on the rocks, even. Oh, yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Peaches are growing some hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been good. Wait a no. minute, I didn't see a peach tree. <clears throat> no, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, that was on sale. Yeah, like 40 bucks. Not too shabby. Nothing wrong with that. No, no. So you're in third place in points. Yeah. Champions Tour. How far out are you from first? I haven't counted because uh, I'm I think Tom's 10 points in front of me. 10 points. <clears throat> I think so. We're going into Gull. Yeah, so I think Thompson's at 95. Um, Jim Moyna is at 94. And then I think I'm at 85. And the world's right below me. Somebody's at 84. And Nichols, I think, is 82 or something in fifth, if I remember right. I just looked today, but I can't remember. So you're, yeah, you're in striking distance. Yeah, I think so. I mean, things, <laughs> Gull is one of those hit and miss. It's just, it's a, uh, Gull and Whitefish are wicked witches. I promise they are, they, especially they, Whitefish. Yeah, they, you know, everything looks good and great, and you're like, oh, man, I am going to catch them. Yep. And then you go to a spot where you, literally set the hook once and shook like four others off and never got to the bottom and you can't buy a bite on it and they move down 75 yards or 100 yards and <clears throat> now there's only six of them and uh, yeah it's a tough one it Gull, it's an interesting time of year for gull too whitefish at least what's certain on whitefish is bikinis and big wakeboard right wakes yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to get a constant flow of boat traffic on the north end of Gull. That's a fact. I mean, that's kind of a carousel. You can really only split that lake kind of one way. 
Like, right? Can you split that leg east-west? How could you, like... You probably could. You could do it any way you wanted to. You can, I know. But, like, you're not leaving a lot for a 50-boat field east-west, in my opinion. Depends on what you consider east and what you consider west. True. So if you call Steamboat and Wilson two separate east and west sides. Right. That that's yeah you know mm-hmm. then you're you're opening mm-hmm. up the actually shoot going north you could cut bow tie in half east and west yeah uh, you know the you have grassy and Margaret and, you know, Nissan Margaret I don't know how you do that all of that to cut all that that way but yeah I don't know I'm anticipating a north south split or maybe I just jinxed it yeah you probably did probably. so you should probably shut up <laughs> my bad we can cut that out we can cut that out. Uh, it's going to be an interesting tournament, though. It always is. For sure. For sure. So, and, like, I always want to pick your brain. So you, you now have, a what, an Airbnb on Gunnersville, right? Yep, in well, in the city of Gunnersville. So, yeah, so okay. we're, like, three miles from the boat ramp. Are you rented out for the season? We were. Now we're not. We've got openings right now. Attention, get. Attention, Bass Galaxy. Spend your winters down at Hatton's Airbnb on Gunnersville, or else. <laughs> maybe it helps, maybe it doesn't, Tony. I might be down there all winter, so. I don't blame you, sir. Yeah. I don't blame you. So how's that been? That's been uh, hopefully more play than work? Uh, well, I've only fished. Um, well, I, I the first I got to fish after doing all the rental on the Airbnb was practice for the toyotas yep that was the first i got to fun fish i oh, i tried to fun fish one day down there in easter sunday while i was down there a year ago and all i could think about was what i needed to do on the house yeah so yeah that was <clears throat> that was a tough one right and, you know it's like you go and you're like oh, i bet they're biting i really bet they're biting but i got a lot of work to do that's hard. And I'm ready to go home and, you know, yep. be home. Yep. Have the dogs maul me, you know. Yep. Totally. See the wife. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mow some grass or something. Totally. And uh, so is it right on the lake or near the lake or? No, it's just up the lake. It's just up the hill from, uh, uh, what the heck's that place called? You know where Crow Mamas is? Oh, you've never been there. Never been there. Love to. It's. It's not far from where Randy Howell won the classic mm. in Spring Creek. Okay. It's just off Spring Creek. It's about two miles off Spring Sweet. Creek. Sweet. Right in God's country then. Yeah. You like it down there though? Like Yeah, like, I love the area. You know, I I really like the area and where where we bought the house, it's you know, two minutes to Walmart, like three minutes to Lowe's, and then every eatery that's worth a darn is all the way down that highway so it within 15 mile or 15 minutes you can be to anywhere you want to eat sure sure so that's really nice yeah and you're not an hour from walmart i mean like dale hollow i went there you know i needed some i needed a little saw i had a little 360 issue where i snapped my my power cord off gotcha right at the right right at the uh shaft of the 360 yep so I had to convert my 360 a little bit with a uh, hacksaw. Okay. I had to cut it down about three, four inches to get to enough, get enough of that shaft off to actually get down to splice the wires back together. 
And I was actually on the phone with Matt Thompson, and he's like, I cannot listen to this. And he had to hang up because he knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I'm doing Saw, it. Sawing away on a $1,500. I'm doing it. <laughs> That's crazy. And you spliced it, and it worked? Yep. Oh, it's still spliced together. Yeah. It works just fine and dandy. Sniping brush piles the next day. Yeah, something. Yeah. Gunnersville's fishing sounds hard compared to here. Uh, Gunnersville's fun. The I other bet. lakes are a little tougher. Uh, I mean, Gunnersville in the spring or late winter is fun. Yeah. I mean, you find eelgrass, you find fish. It's it's pretty fun. Now, I haven't gotten to fish it any other time than, you know, with the eelgrass situation. Sure. Except for I fished a national championship there in 2000 and I think 10, somewhere in that ballpark for the ABA and the weeds were dying off and they really died off right before the tournament. That was in November and it was tougher then. Sure. But, sure. you know, some guys always figure it out. So right. I was not that guy. That's actually the tournament where I almost quit fishing. It's a big lake so, to like just figure out real quick. Yeah. It's uh, what? 70,000 acres. And, yeah. Uh, bigger than any lake in, I mean, is there any lake in Minnesota that big? Well, Mille Lacs is 133,000. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> Gunnersville is basically 70,000 acres of fishable water. I don't know how many miles of shoreline that is, but pretty much every mile, every inch of shoreline is fishable on that lake. Sure. So there's a lot of water to cover. Yeah. You know, yeah. And a lot of grass beds. Yeah. Was and there... not grass beds and bluff walls and... <laughs> Anything you want to do. A little bit, yeah. And backwater areas and sloughs and... What kind of grass do they have down there compared to here? Is it... Do they have coontail? I found a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I actually found... I don't know if it was coontail or Minnesota milfoil. Sure. Not the Eurasian. It's more than Minnesota milfoil. Yeah, the northern. Um, Found a little bit of that. There's a little bit of coontail. Um... And then they got hydrilla, and yep. so that the the Miracle Mile is basically all hydrilla with a little bit of uh, uh, Eurasian milfoil outside of it. And then there is Eurasian milfoil in a bunch of the bays and pockets and sure. stuff like that. Sure, sure. And eelgrass. <clears throat> yeah. Hydrilla, they seem to like that stuff. Yeah, it's not really, it's barely growing up when I'm down there. So you get a little bit of it. Sure. And those are probably more key areas when you do catch a little bit of hydrilla, but it's, there's not a lot of it. Right. You know, at that point in the year. And got any cabbage down there? No, no. And then you get um, gator grass and, man, I don't know what else they call everything. There's water willow. There's water all willow. kinds of stuff there. So Water willer? Yeah, water willer. Water willer. So that's another oddity. You want an odd, odd random thought of the day? <clears throat> we don't got that water wheeler up here. No. I, so my my GPS when I when your address, you know, and I hit your address today, and it went over to my other uh, guidance system, like the one in my iPhone. Okay. Yep. So now it's some other dude's voice. But what I've always thought is when you have the guidance, like as you go through the country, you should be getting like an Alabama accent. Agreed. You know, like. Hey, y'all, take a left here, right? Yeah. You know. Welcome to Alabama. Hey, dumbass, don't take a ride here. You're going to get shot. You That's know? genius. <laughs> uh, like, 
Yeah. It should be, you know, throughout the country, like we're going to go, it would be some god awful like Fargo accent for up here. But right. Right. You could deal with that so that you could have like some. Hey, there, hang a light. Hang, yeah. a, hang a right, right up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, tater hot. Tater hot, tater tot hot dish to the left. Yo, yo, dude, take a ride over here. <laughs> you're, in, you're in Minneapolis now. My name's Sven Sungard. I'll be your host. No. No, that's genius. Like, uh, call Steve Jobs. Call Google. Call well, the Googler. I don't Googler. think Steve Jobs is alive anymore. Call Steve Jobs' grave. Okay. Call his, call his children. Call William, William Gates. Oh, yeah, Bill. See if he can build. Listen you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Little EF Hutton. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I think that it should be, you know, that's at least at least like on the on the truck when you drive into Welcome to Alabama. Right. Well, how about you know? Hey, Welcome to Alabama. Right. Roll Tide. You know. Driving to driving to New Jersey. Hey, welcome to New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yo. Hey, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, you just got here. I know. Get the hell out. Welcome to New York. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got That's a wise guy. Hey, Tony, we got a wise guy. Let's go to a Broadway show. Yeah. Take notes, OnStar. Take notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got all kinds of good ideas. I mean... <laughs> I just need somebody Keep to listen. Keep coming, buddy. That's yeah. freaking good. I got all kinds of them. Yeah, no. OnStar, we're calling OnStar. They're going to sponsor us now. Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. No, that's genius. I need another whiskey after that. Yeah. You got the robe off now. Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I do. It was a little warm. Yeah. Without the air getting able to run. So Right, right. So before we get into... I want to talk about how you fish a jig a little bit. Let's talk about you fish probably more parts of the country than anybody I know. You've lived in what, California, North Carolina, Minnesota. You've got a place down on Gunnersville. You spend some time around the world, like experiencing different types of bass fishing, different types of bodies of water, I guess. For us in Minnesota, we only know the 10,000 things we know, I guess. But right a little different it's how good do we have it up here uh the best in the country yeah you know i mean it's kind of a no-brainer all those guys love the north you know i think the only thing that really compares would be upstate new york sure you know not just because of the st lawrence seaway there but uh but uh lake champlain is uh, like lake like pokegamon steroids it, it only better you know, yeah. I mean, but Pokegama is one of the few lakes where you can go down a weed line and you catch a four-pound smallie and then a four-pound largemouth. Um, and that's common play on uh, on Champlain. Sure. You know, same way Oneida. I've never fished Oneida, but, you know, they're, they're a lot more northern-style lakes and zebra mussels and milfoil and that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but we, we've definitely got the best fishing in the country, hands down. I mean... It, you know, Michigan probably is also that way. I've never fished there, but I think they've got a lot of diversity and a lot of really good lakes and not a lot of people that fish. So Right, right, right. California is that, I guess, seems like the biggest bass in the country come from California, but not like the best fishing days. No, no. I'm, I, I 
lived out um, Lake Castaic area. I was like a few miles south of Lake Castaic. Sure. Uh, pretty famous back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s for, you know, those teen fish and up to 19 something, I think is the lake record. Wow. Um, but there's a magical strain and you, you saw it on Chickamauga. You're going to see it on these other lakes where it's like, I think they call it a T2 strain where okay. it's the Floridas, Floridas are F1. And then when those Floridas crossbreed with the Northern strain, there's a freak moment in there, like a generation or two yeah. where they get really big. Sure. Or it's, it's the, those are the big mamas. Uh-huh. They're not just straight Floridas, I don't believe. Sure. The really big ones. That's sure. when they start to crossbreed. Then they get to that freak stage for a little bit. And I, I would venture to guess that in Minnesota, we'd probably have that if we were allowed to do that. You know, if they were allowed to take a, a fish from Lake X and move it to Lake Y. Sure. You'd probably have that genetic change. Yep. That would boost that for a little bit. Right. You know. Right. I mean, Get granted, there have been, been a lot of fish moved around in Minnesota, let's be honest. I mean, Gull Lake didn't have smallmouth 20 years ago. Should we start they, a lab? They came from somewhere. Right. 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 Or Wabado and Little Boy right. and, uh, you know, yeah. there's, I think, a, a lot of uh, woman lake fish went for a little ride in a live well at some point and got dumped off a bridge, but... Weird how that works. Yeah. Leech. Leech, yeah. It's another phenomenon yep even malax i mean where did those really come from the big ones i don't know i mean i know there used I mean, to be a bunch of smallies in there but are smallmouth even like native to the i from what i've heard they're pretty just invasive overall i couldn't even tell you where a smallmouth like came from yeah mississippi rivers got them oh yeah you know for sure um you know horseshoe chain horseshoe chain is sock river you know yeah they've been they've been in the sock river for ages but i'd never heard of them above the horseshoe dam right you know or the the um, cold spring dam i guess it would be i don't think they can jump it i, I don't think so i don't think they're that fast and agile oh, i mean well, I've, I've seen, seen them, them jump, jump pretty, pretty high, high yeah, right I but i mean I'm, you know you see them jump five feet high but not right. 50 you think one could jump the dam coal in cold spring fuck no <laughs> <laughs> get a real good run it's like a trout running upstream or a, uh, some form of salmon out right. in washington or something or oregon i think they are part salmon the way like it could they be could, like they could be part salmon could be and so dnr we'd like to <laughs> we'd like to suggest a study yeah comparing smallmouth with wild river salmon <laughs> you never know you never know but yeah they, they, the fishing in california was tough you know it was Sounds it was tough. a grind it was a lot of drop shot and a lot of um, there was a stupid rig. It, it actually reminded me a lot of throwing hair. Okay. Um, that guy's kind of like a lot of low key finesse stuff came from either California or Japan. Right. Like. And I remember fishing with you and there's definitely some low key, like California stuff you've pulled out, you know, in the yeah. boat with me. Yeah. There's a flash tricks from back in the day that used to, we used to throw it a lot like hair it was weightless. You know, it was a on braid and a long long rod, very much like a hair jig. And then sure. you'd maybe run a swivel like six, seven feet up the line to weigh it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, and it was just a slow, steady retrieve. And those fish would come out of the shadows, and you'd be watching them just, you know, yeah, they're sharking it, and then. It was, did you stop it? Do you speed it up? Do you right. twitch it? Do you, every fish was different. And, um, you know, that was a pretty solid technique for a while. It's there. like a spy bait without propellers kind of thing. Kind of, except you're talking almost, it, it was weightless. It wasn't like fly lining a fluke, but very similar. It was just more of a reel instead of just a dead stick, throw it out weightless. And, sure. You know, there was a guy out there that did throw. He threw a double fluke rig on, like, four-pound test line. And he would, whoosh, you could hear him, and he threw just his wimpy rod. And he threw it out, and he put his hand in his pocket. He okay. let that thing fall 40, 50 feet down huh. and would never move it. And he won more money than, you know, him and Troy, between him and Troy Linner, they were the two most dominant guys out there at sure. that time. It, and it was kind of like... Uh, Mike Hart and John Vesanko, uh, I think was his name. Uh, and then Troy Linder and Gary Collins fished together. And then Troy fished with Bill Siementhal. The Troy Linder? The Troy Linder, yes. Al He's Sun. throwing jigging wraps down there, wasn't no, he? No, no, he kidding. was not. Um, and then and then my partner, Dan Hoover, and I, for a couple of years in there, we did pretty solid. And... Uh, Cool. But that yeah, that was like fly line and stuff. And then I had another buddy out there that um, threw wacky jigs. On oh. f- we threw five pound test Torre fluorocarbon. Um, we'd get the boat on the bank, and you'd throw it out as far as you could throw it, and peel line, and you basically you drank a pop by the time that thing got to the bottom, and you would pick it up and you'd scratch your rocks and scratch your rocks, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Jesus, and so. You want to talk about slow, painful fishing, 60 feet of water with a 16-ounce uh, ounce wacky jig and a 5-inch Slim Senko. That's slow. That's slow. Uh, yeah. Wow. And then, <clears throat> I never really made it up to Clear Lake or yeah. the Delta, I mis- mistakenly, because you never make it back now probably. But I heard the Delta's kind of sucks but it can be fun. the clear lake is like money my jig guy john uh john chirpati he Party, yeah. you know he he's from up new Malones area but now he's living down arkansas but he'll talk about days out on clear lake where you know it's 50 80 100 fish all over five pounds on a football jig out on a rock pile and Daddy you know, never, never that. made it for that. Wow. So. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. So there's no joke when the elites were there and they were catching, you know, a hundred pounds plus and right. they got in apparently at swim bait time, but who won that again? Uh, Steve Kennedy. Oh, that's right. On the big swim. And then bought like $10,000 worth of swim baits after that <laughs> between HUDs and whatever else and didn't Byron Velvick I think won out there the one he year won too, one year he? out there yeah he's got so, the weirdest hook set yeah yeah never been a bachelor guy but yeah, I've never been a visor guy no me so neither. me neither. <laughs> I'll be visor guy sorry visor but people. but he was <laughs> <laughs> the visor nation sorry visor nation yeah but that was the yeah Byron was uh 
making like whatever that fish jelly was he was putting on a paper plate. Remember that? And oh, yeah. rubbing that rubbing that swim bait on it. Yeah, lubing it up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Byron is saying NBC. Yeah. And he just doesn't even set the hook, which was weird yeah. to me. We always made fun of him as kids in the junior bass masters, me, Mark Shirley. Sure. Be like, you set the hook like Byron Velvet. <laughs> you bought for apples in the toilet. You like it. No. Uh. Aaron Martin, like, so Aaron Martins was like a, was he a pro when you were living in California? Like some of those guys? Yeah, like, Aaron was. His mom fished. I fished against Aaron, uh, Carol a lot. You fished against Carol Martins, yeah. Aaron Martins' mom? Yeah. Cool. A lot. Uh, she fished with Tony Caparelli and, uh, um, That's badass. And then I actually fished with Tony Caparelli for a year as a partner. And, but yeah, Carol, Carol was there. I, I mean, I've known Carol now for a number of years. And she um, kicked, did she kick that sweet ass at bass fishing or no? She was good. I bet. Yeah, she was good. I mean, she's solid, but they kind of were stuck on like that 12 and a half, 13 and a half pound thing. And they just could never get the big fish kind of a deal. They drop shot it all day long and throwing Aaron's worms all day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four inch rubble worms. Yep. on a drop shot and uh super nice lady and i've actually uh aaron came back one christmas i think it was or january i don't remember when it was he came back for a little bit he'd come back in their off season and actually fish a tournament against him out there on castaic on his home lake so no kidding yeah the irony is i'm two and all against aaron martins hey <laughs> so obi-wan <laughs> but he had his he fished with his nephew and his nephew you know, did all right out there, but uh, Aaron was far removed from that lake at that point. So, but yeah, fantastic. Uh, and actually, the the best story about that is, you know, Aaron Martin's he got a lot of bad raps really? on TV with. Well, you know, they'd show like him whining about Edwin Evers or doing oh. this or doing that, right? <clears throat> that tournament was done, and I was friends with Troy Linder and and Gary Collins, and we're sitting there talking and. Aaron's still there. And Aaron walks over. He's leaning on Gary Collins' boat. We literally sat and talked to Aaron Martins for four, over four hours after the tournament. Really? Just life. Just, you know, just talking fishing. And, man, what a cool guy. And yeah. what interesting insight. And the, the insight, you know, like listening to his brain work on what used to happen on Castaic or, you know, there used to be these giant bluegills and, you know, like talking about the history of the lake and what a thinker he was and sure. uh, just a, what a fantastic memory that was. Dude, and I can't imagine. something that, you know, you, you cherish forever. It's like we got to sit and talk to him for four hours and he didn't know us from Adam really. And Totally. Uh, but really, really a neat guy and, you know, unfortunately we lost him a year, well, about a year ago. And, right. Um, it's crazy. That happened I mean, I had so other fast. Runs, yeah, I had other run-ins with him after that. Not run-ins, but like, ran into him at other tournaments yeah and uh you know we talked about some of that stuff but uh it wasn't like he knew me by name or any of that he just remembered the conversation but totally um but yeah pretty cool i always thought he was just a bassy dude i think he had gills you yeah. know and he, i don't remember how many times he won the u.s open but that brings up another wonderful fun lake to fish which is lake mead although now it's about sure. out of water but is that is that true? Damn. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I don't know bad. what it's down now. A hundred feet, holy smokes, or more. It's ridiculous. There's guys out pulling like old antique bottles out of it and out of the 
<laughs> out of the desert. Jesus. So, but that it's a fun. It was a fun lake, though. Big lake. God, that's a big lake. It's a hundred feet deep, smaller, or is that how? How much smaller does a hundred feet, like in depth, like change a lake? Well, you probably are down to mostly main main channel areas. Gotcha. Um, the lake's a couple hundred feet deep, though. I mean, the mafia's been dumping bodies there for years, so. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. to your backwater brush pile that is a <laughs> casket of mafia yeah. bodies. <laughs> it's actually a bone pile. It's a bone pile, yeah. not a brush pile. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Capone. Little did you know, yeah. I hooked a femur. <laughs> so. Got hung up on that femur again. Oh, that's funny. And then, uh, so you live in Cali, and then you fished also Lake Norman quite a bit. You lived yeah. in North Carolina for a bit. Yeah, five years I lived uh, on the south end of Lake Norman. and So I got to fish Wiley and Norman and High Rock, um, Bugs Island, which is Car Reservoir, K-E-R-R Car. <laughs> um, so uh got to fish a lot of fun lakes. Didn't really do a lot on Jordan or Harris, which are... You know, now people are starting to expose that. I did fish Sharon Harris in a tournament once, and it was all that slot limit stuff, and you'd be catching five-pounders on swim baits and throwing them back. And it reminded me a lot of Dale Hollow catching smallies. So. Oh, God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, fun, diverse, diverse lakes. Uh, Wiley is probably my favorite lake. in Lake Wiley? Yeah, in North Carolina. North Carolina, South Carolina border, anyway. I fished Santee one time, and where else did I fish? Uh, Are these all pre-herring? Like I know. Oh no, no, they no, had herring. No, they had herring and they had herring in Norman. The spotted bass have really taken that lake over, which is actually a good thing. They the Kiwi spot. So Kiwi is a lake up from, um, what's the lake in Greenville? Uh, Hartwell. Hartwell. Uh, Kiwi's up the up the chain from there right right and there's a bunch of spots in there and they got transplanted and gotcha. they got into norman and they norman was like a six pound limit lake yeah for largemouth little for years babies and, uh the spots came in and there's a lot of them they're a lot of fun so there's like a I, there's like a kusa spot a kiwi spot a kentucky spot uh linear Lanier spot. Um, yeah, you got that. Well, the can. Ken- got you some Kentuckys, boy. Yeah, you can- only got nine pounds well, today. That's what the Missouri. I caught me some Kentuckys. That's they don't the, weigh much. That's what Dion Hibden calls the uh, the spots. He calls them Kentuckys. Yeah. Yeah, and that's. I think there's a version that's like Table Rock. Um, rock like, spot. Yeah. <laughs> Table Rock and. Bull Shoals and you know that White River area. I think that's one of the strains. I'll... Those things don't weigh nothing, do they? Those strains or do they? No, they do. They get round football. They're freak freaks of nature in the spring. They'll... Tell me how to find them <clears throat> twice. I don't know how. Yeah, well, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. They're here today, gone tomorrow. A little bit. Things are nuts, man. No, yeah. they're very nomadic. They don't have a home. They don't. I don't even think they rent. They're straight gypsies. Yeah. And they don't even have the zebra muscle to deal with. No, no zebes. Yeah. No problem. They're just they're gypsies. They're 
They're Stevie Nicks. They are, yeah. No, they are. Fleetwood Mac, one of the greatest bands of all time. Sticks is the greatest walk and wolf of all time. <laughs> oh, man. That was good. Fucking Spots. Yeah. Spots, like, people compare them to Smallmouth. Like, would you compare them to Smallmouth? Except better. Better? Smallmouth on steroids. Take it back. No, not even remotely close. No? 14-inch spot will beat you to death. I'll be honest. I On Hartwell, I had a blast catching them 14-inch spots. Yeah. Yeah. We paid, We weighed 11 pounds a day, but we had fun doing it. That's right. Yep. And the best part about spotted bass is they'll eat a jig 12 times until they get it. That's wonderful. You can hook them, lose them. Yeah. Drop it back down, they eat it. Once they decide they're going to eat, they're going to eat. But so they don't live nowhere. No, I, th- I think I think the spots are meaner. And then if you get a mean mouth, they're even more. Yeah, the they true mean slept mouth. in their own bed. Not not what we now have called. We now we're calling all strains of a crossbreeds mean mouth. The mean mouth technically used to be the spot mixed with the small mouth, and yep. that's the meanest dog that swims. I've never caught me a mean mouth, but I know that spots are the consequence of Stevie Nicks. Yeah. The consequence of gypsies is a bunch of pissed off teenagers, yeah. and that's what spots are, yeah. and they don't have a home. They never slept in a warm bed. They, got they a never bad. had mom make a mac and cheese at night. They got a bad attitude. Bad attitude. And they found her cocaine. They like chartreuse, like small mouth, it they seems like, like. Yeah, they like chartreuse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like the yellow. They do. Little dippy dip on the tails on your jig. Mm-hmm. So Norman, Cali, Norman, Minnesota, Gunnersville. Yep. Uh, is Norman more fit? Norman seems like the most similar to Cali fishing out of like compared to Gunnersville or Minnesota. Is there grass? There's no grass in Cali, and there's not much. There's not no, much grass in no Norman. No grass in Norman because they put grass carp in anytime they find one sprig of it. Really? Yeah. So the grass carp going and maul that out, and there was hydrology in a couple places. One grass carp into. per strand yeah. of hydrilla. You got it. And they'd, they'd go in and eat it, and then they'd die because they didn't have anything to eat. Gotcha. Um, Norman got better when they they let the stripers die finally because there was a big striper die-off every year. That water gets so hot. And they were dumping them in for years and years and years. Well, they kind of gave up on that, and they started putting hybrids in or whatever that were mules that yep. can't reproduce. Yep. And, Things and then the spotted bass decided to take the lake over and beat everybody else up so that's what happened to all them lakes i think right stripers and then the spots came in and it was kind of like that that scene from tommy boy that's when the horrors come in (laughs) (laughs) you know like they put the stripers in like ah when the spots come in you gypsies come in wave the little behinds around you bring up tommy boy and i have (laughs) to tell you this on Vermilion on day one, or uh, the first half of the Champions Tour, I was like, a, a little wind here. You know, <laughs> a little wind? Oh, that's exactly how I felt yeah. on Vermilion. It was totally Tommy Boy out there. Like, hey, lady, <laughs> there's a big whale on your boat. <laughs> Need a little wind here. Listen up, you little spazoids. I know where you live and I know where you sleep. Your mothers will cry when they see what I've done to you. That's my favorite movie of all time, man. And then you finally catch one in Tommy Light. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Tommy, you want me? 
<laughs> Cole and I at work, we've been quoting, uh, you seen School of Rock? Oh, yeah. God, that movie makes me smile. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a great one. You know, we just had a... Uh, Not cool enough. We just had a float, or was gonna, we we're going to have a float in the Richmond Parade. Oh? And it was actually like the School of Rock float. Oh! So all of our teachers were dressed up as like, th- four of them had kiss t-shirts on and yeah. like the star on their face and yeah yeah lawrence is good at piano yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's and then it got canceled i heard yeah yeah we're sitting there line up a few few floats go and then some you know guy with a golf cart comes through like maybe um Let's see here. What was he? Chancellor Pruitt or whatever it was. From. Chancellor. <laughs> <laughs> what was the What was the the guy's name that that they bullied in school and uh, <laughs> old school? Oh, oh god! And then they had him on tape with the, yeah. you know, like threatening the the Asian gal. It was like <sighs> Champ Pruitt or something. Or yeah. I love that movie. But anyways, they yeah. drove yeah. through with a golf cart like he was driving through like a hard ass. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Old school. I love that movie. That Richmond Town Just Mayor. ring the damn bell. <laughs> Richmond Town Mayor, you you crushed some kids' dreams this past weekend. We just wanna we just wanna tell you that. Well, technically as a service to the mayor, that was actually called off by the National Weather Service or something like that oh. down in Chaska. Thanks, Chaska. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, what was it? I heard it wasn't even bad. Well, they had uh, a bunch of hail coming. Gotcha. So, like when they when they started to call that off, El Rancho, which is what four miles north mm-hmm. of Richmond, had over an inch of rain in like a half an hour. Oh, yeah. Like I mean, like boom down. So shit was going down. Yeah, it just missed Richmond. Gotcha. So, yeah, small town in the galaxy. Yeah, it is. In a galaxy far, far away. Far, far away. Yeah. Lord, make me a bird. Make me fly. Far, <laughs> far away. <laughs> and then now you're back home. Yeah. Now I'm back home. Now you're back home. Now you're fishing Minnesota. And you're, you, you're probably one of the most competitive people. You're very competitive. And that's a compliment. That is a compliment. Because you were what, when you were a goalie? Yep. Did you play catcher too? Uh, I pitched. I played first and third. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you're you competitive, dude. And, and uh, no, it shows. And you're killing it this year. So, I guess, uh, is that, I mean, so there's a lot of good anglers, right, that, that never really make... I mean, to me, some of the best anglers in the world you'll never see on a big stage. I would agree with that. And, like, to me, that's the craziest part about, like, fishing versus hockey or fish, you know, versus other sports is, is like, talent doesn't mean you're an elite series pro. Right. And I think, like, what's crazy is I look up to a lot of people in the state I've always looked up to you and I always I've always considered you an elite caliber angler and somebody who's just a competitor and somebody who's just got it in their blood I guess like with the Bassmasters changing their rules with it's it's really tough 
it's a tough sport to make a living doing. It just really is, man. And you've probably seen the best, the worst, all of it just in you doing it, I guess. And uh, I just think it's been cool to watch you just keep doing it and never stop doing it because I think, once again, you're elite caliber angler. So. Well, I think you got to feel like at, at some point, I, pre- I appreciate that. It's At some point, you feel like... You know what? I ask myself this periodically, quite frankly. It's like, when is it going to be my day? You know, mm-hmm. when is it going to be my day? Mm-hmm. I hear you. Because, like, the first year I fished a Champions Tour, and I, I told there's there's an uh, um, an interview with Scott St. Sauber out there, the colonel. I was on the fish to win four of those five tournaments. No doubt in my mind. One, I flung a prop, you know, or flung a blade, and it spun me way out, and the first half at Vermillion stuck, stunk, and then the second half I had that, and I just never really recovered from it. But um, excuses are like, you know, um, everybody's got one. So, but when is it going to be your day? You, you make the wrong decision in a championship, and you turn the corner when you go to spot two, and no Schultz is sitting there, you know, jacking them on every cast mm-hmm. and wins a boat. Right. You know, um, guys land on Brad Leitner, lands on a dock in the second half on Vermilion the one year and catches like 18 fish off of one dock. You know, when is that going to happen to me? That's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. It's like I know talent-wise that I'm there. Mm-hmm. You are. But but the, the self-proclaimed or self-made luck, because Doug says there's no luck, so... Um, <laughs> It's all self-made. What up, Doug? Yeah. Um, you just feel like, when the heck is it going to be my turn? Yeah. You know, it's been too many times I've been on what I felt was, you know, I mean, state tournament in Vermilion yeah. last week. Right. Like, what in the world happened there, you know? And I'll tell you this. It seemed awful. You know, Thompson had a, a six-pounder in the Champs Tour. It's an area we both fish. And... We we talked the night before, and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near that area. Mm-hmm. Like you have it, you know. I mean, I not like I'm giving him my blessing, but like I don't. We didn't want to bump into each other. Yeah. And I had plenty of other stuff to go to. Uh, my my first half just stunk, but um, I'm like, I'm going to use it in f- another week anyway. So yep. you know, I yep. can go. I can go out and hang a big bag. That area absolutely stunk the joint out during uh, the tournament. Yeah. Isn't just, that some? It was done. I don't know what, you know, you can blame bugs, you can blame whatever, but, um, and, you know, and again, a little wind here, that would have helped. Wind Uh, on Vermilion is a big deal. Yeah, so, but I, yeah, I've I've competed my whole life and, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you don't get breaks that you think you should get uh, or, or you feel like it's kind of been the story of life. You know, I went down to, to junior tryouts down in uh, Sioux City, Iowa, back in the, the olden days. Musketeers? Musketeers. Sioux City Musketeers. Yeah. And, USHL. Uh, and you got Brian Lietza and Dieter Cocker, or Dieter, yeah, Dieter Cocken, I think was his name. They both ended up playing. One played for St. Cloud State, and one played for Northern Michigan, and 
I, I don't know that they were the best goalies in tryouts type of a deal. I don't think that people always get the fair shake. I'm not saying yeah. I necessarily was, but I, I, I know in, in the, uh, the North Iowa t- tryouts that, that one of the guys that made the team, uh, it wasn't even close. Well, there's a, so, a little bit of politics. Oh, just a little a bit, lot right? Of that. Right. That's I'm, sa- I'm just saying, unfortunate. Like, you know, you, yeah. you, you have that. That sucks, you don't have though. that name, so you don't. Right. You know, there's people that fall into to sponsorship deals all the time, and you're like, not a soul out here fishing the tour likes him. You know. Yeah. And I'm not just. I'm not saying like. I'm just saying in general. Yeah. There's guys that are all wrapped up, and they're getting all this free stuff, and and literally are, and you're like. All they do is piss people off, and I'm not going to be that person. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you just hope one day it's your day. Well, dude, like, to me, you're the epitome of, like, a, the hardworking dude who has always had success and is always going to be there, and I feel like you aren't the type of guy who's going to quit until that day comes, and I, I think that's something that people don't understand nowadays with tournament fishing is it's the most losing a sport right there is yeah well i mean it's full of heartbreak you know 100 then you take a tournament like like gunnersville this year right tackle warehouse tra- or whatever we what let's see what do we call this toyota series major league fishing they let 324 guys into that tournament <laughs> holy shit 324. They were supposed to top boaters? 260, yeah. <clears throat> and the lake's smaller than Mille Lacs. Well, yeah, in theory. In theory. Yeah. yeah. Not but, maybe fishable water. but Right. Yeah, 324 boats. So now your, your odds are down to literally like 1 in 324. Yeah, it's like pulling a slot machine you at know? that point. Yeah. Except probably worse. Probably worse. Yeah. And, uh... Whew. In the springtime too, so you got spawning areas. Everybody's kind of like on top of each other. A I gotta bit. imagine like that time, of, like that's a time of year where it's like, yes, it's fishable water, but not when every fish is trying to spawn. Right. Yeah. We're we thinking about spawning. We weren't close enough to that yet, but sure. how many, you know, how many fish get beat up in practice? And you know, I mean, it is what it is. It's just I'm just saying that you're right. It's a losing a sport. I mean, you know, people that talk about wanting to do this, right, right. Understand this: the Toyota Series one one trail, whether whether it's the Centrals or the Plains or whatever it is, fifty one hundred in entry fees. So you got three tournaments at seventeen hundred bucks a pop. Yep. Okay, now you're going to add on about the same amount in lodging. Yep. So you're now you're talking ten grand. You're at ten grand with lodging. Then add Biden fuel. And then add Biden fuel. Thanks, Joe. Let's go, Brandon. Um, God damn. So you're you're talking twelve thousand dollars to fish three tournaments, right? And you uh, haven't made oh, a cast yet. Yeah, and oh, by the way, you you get the luxury of staying in what could possibly be a crappy Airbnb or a crappy hotel by yourself for seven days with nobody to talk to but yourself, right? Watching a um, Free TV that doesn't really have any channels outside of you get to watch like three's company repeats for for seven or eight straight days. Hope you got that you know, data on the phone. Yeah, come and knock on my door. I mean, 
Richard. I've been waiting for somebody to visit. Are you watching Spanktravision? <laughs> What's your favorite team? <laughs> you must date one of the Yankees. No, totally, man. It's expensive as F before you even make a cast. And then right. you got to beat. <laughs> then you got to beat. Yeah, everybody. This guy. This guy practices Gunnersville 365 days a year. Yep. Or you go to Arkansas. This is Cody Huff. He right. wins everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hi. Good. Yeah. You're fishing for second, you maybe know, third, and, going into the event on and, some and of people these. People freak out when they fish a whatever a Denny's or something, and Seth shows up. Right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not. This isn't. This isn't a dog at all on Seth. It's just. It's funny in Minnesota because number one, if all of you young whippersnappers don't know who Jim Moyna is, Jim Moyna carved the way. Jim Moyne is still doing it. Carved it. Jim Moyne is in second place in the Angler of the Year points for our trail. Still and got it's it. It's like half the practice of normal people. Right. Um, yeah, he's the he's been the breadwinner out of Minnesota for years and done it for years and held national sponsorships. And so you sh- people should, should appreciate that. And I don't think Jim gets enough appreciation. No, I look up to Jim. I yeah. always have. Um, he doesn't run his mouth. He doesn't anything. He's just does it, you know. And he's got like the '80s hair still. I feel like he's... yes, he cut it off. No, yeah, he cut his ponytail off. Jim, he did. No. They were commenting on it at the river. I was about to call him the Guns and Roses of Minnesota <laughs> bass fishing, but no, I don't know if I can. You know, he, he won his first boat. I think he won it in a Shelby or something. And he was towing it with like an old gold station wagon. And that's the story that I've I've heard. I haven't never saw it myself, but he was towing that, that old Ranger with a with a station wagon, driving that around for a while, which probably meant that was his camper at the time. Dude, he had the most badass truck camper. I remember uh, I was pre-fishing trout for, I think, that tournament we were fishing and I don't know why his truck camper was there, but I was like, golly, dude is a legend. <laughs> Just a legend. I, I loved fishing a football jig because of him. And like, I remember, so what's cool about, I think like meeting you is like, so you were down, I think living in North Carolina. I think when I started kind of in the junior Bassmasters yes. with Doug and stuff yep. and I got to like know Doug a little bit and I remember Doug didn't know what a football jig was. Right. But Doug kicked my ass with anything that we, and like Doug taught me how to fish deep. He taught me just so much. And, uh, I remembered he, he had fished all this stuff and never fished a football jig Mm -hmm. and just killed it. And I was just like, this football jig thing's kind of cool though, you know, (laughs) like, and then fast forward, like I had learned all this stuff from Doug and then Doug had moved to be a full-time guide on Kentucky Lake, which I'm not, have you talked to him recently? Like, oh, I don't, yeah. how's he like with the Asian carp? I got to imagine, is he still able to guide crappies and like, he's still stuff? guiding. It's not as much, yeah. you know, and he's, I, I don't like to use the term slowing down, but you know, he's, he's not fishing as many days as he used to. When he first got there, man, he was fishing 340 days a year, something ridiculous. So I feel like, like the story of Doug is like never been like recorded probably before. And like, I feel like the dude deserves like that kind of justice. Yeah. Like, so 
for those of you who don't know, like our local league, Granite City Bassmasters, we used to have a, a trophy. It was called the P-Track Cup. And Doug, Doug lost a finger somewhere along the lines, and I can't remember. I think he was doing dock and lift service work nope. or something. He was or? doing uh, – he was a glazer, professional glazer. Okay. And it had a pane of glass that came off a lift. I remember that day vividly. Um, he had a the pane of glass coming off the lift, and it caught his ring finger. Yeah. And it tore his, his ring finger off of his left hand, and they couldn't reattach. And, uh, yeah. Pretty crazy. So yeah, the Petrock Cup has a four finger or th- the shocker four and a yeah a, a four and a quarter finger hand on it for the Petrock Cup. If you're gonna lose a finger, Doug lost the right one. He's right. got the shocker now in the Petrock Cup. Like the face of the Petrock Cup is the shocker, and yep. I was lucky to win the Petrock Cup one year. But like Doug was like. It was kind of when bass fishing was getting, like, good, right? And I didn't know Doug when you knew Doug, but I knew Doug after, I guess, you knew Doug. And, yep. like, this was, what was it, the 80s, the 90s, today? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Doug came in and uh, first I knew of him was, like, 92, 93. He fished the uh, Mid-State Fishing League. Dwayne Osgood ran it. born that year. It's crazy. And, um, and I fished it. That was the year after my uh, – it was a one year out of high school and Doug and Ditto fished together and then um, Ditto his wife and they used to have the uh, what the heck was the name of that hydro he had a hydro stream with uh, and he towed it with an old red like single cab uh, K or C, C9 or whatever whatever the, okay. the old Chevy pickup with no the pipes shit. on it and it was jacked up <laughs> You knew it was him. It was like Connor nowadays, you know, like coming into the access. You knew it was Doug because of the pipes. Um. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I only it wasn't, knew it wasn't Doug a hydro stream. Days. I don't remember what in the world that boat was, but uh, he. Uh, so he started there, and then, but he just got into tournament fishing, and then became. It just came natural to him. He put a lot of time in, and he's very good at find the weed line fish and he fished with Dwayne Osgood who was also kind of an unknown but I never knew absolutely him. phenomenal fisherman yeah that's what I've heard yeah they would just fish like I remember Doug he'd just be like I'd ask him a question he'd put the trolling motor down right go learn yep and it's some of the best advice I got along yep. with letting your jig fall to the bottom right don't move it so much right like yeah yeah, he, he had a lot to a lot of wisdom, and he, he had a lot of ability to, you know, find and understand what that edge was, and or when to shake it, you know, kind of when to hold them, when to fold them, and he he was magic with the jig. He's he's magic, but it you know he once you started to hang with him a little bit as far as the jig fishing front to back a boat and whatever else, yep. and you knew you kind of had to figure it out a little bit, and then you know what tournament success starts coming, right. So he was a huge part of my success. I mean, just learning and spending time in the water with him and knowing that I was doing the right thing too. Totally. On top of everything else was, you know what? I'm not completely stupid here. Right. 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 He's doing the same thing. He's just doing it better than I'm doing it. So yep. it's time to figure that out. Right. Well, it was cool fish. Like I got to fish a tournament on the horseshoe chain with him one fall. It was really late. I remember. 
and uh you know we had started i think it was one of eric Tchaikovsky's kind of fall deals or or doug's or and i was just young this was like i was real green um and i remember we went to the first spot and i don't know what it it was freezing it was snowing and uh so the fish bit he's throwing a black and blue jig and i was i had like a pumpkin all-terrain at jig on at the time and i remember i got like six up on him and i was and he wouldn't put down the black and blue yeah. jig right yeah so i'm like i and mind you i had like six up on him and i didn't realize how big they were we got to the next spot and i had started like getting like I had to like take a break because like I was like gonna puke because I was so cold. I right. hadn't fished in this cold before, and he like stopped fishing and he was checking on me and seeing I was good. Then we got to horseshoe. Doug puts down the black and blue jig. Doug picks up the brown jig. Doug goes seven bass, best five, probably like twenty two pounds. Aaron doesn't catch much the rest of the day. Yeah caught on real quick yeah. but we were fishing his stuff and it was just cool like we took first and second that day he had 23 pounds i had 22 pounds and like i had grown up on this lake and never fished at that lake never fished it like he fished it right and it was it was just a really cool experience and then getting to visit him down in kentucky like always just yeah i hope he's doing good and ditto like i don't know I remember you gave some plastics away to us kids, I think, at the Junior Bass deal. Yeah. You would always be really good about that. Yep. Yeah, Tony sent some stuff up from North Carolina. Yep. All the junk that's, that, <laughs> that sucks. sucks. <laughs> you guys can have it. I oh, did it. thanks, Tony. Hey, it was like imitation Senkos and but stuff. But those two like, were a big part of like junior bass fishing and like getting that to be – like now it's a high school sport. Right. You know, yeah, these then. guys were doing it when it wasn't cool to do it. Nobody needed to, to do it, and it wasn't expected to do it. And it was like, it was just like this nice thing they wanted to do, it seemed like. And it's like, I can't thank them enough for that. Yeah, and I, th- I think to fish a TBF state tournament at that time or BASS, whoever it was they were associated with, you had to do something like a casting for kids or something like that. Makes sense. I knew they didn't love us that much. And, well, no, but I, I know they kidding. did a casting for kids because they did something at Miller, I want to say, back yeah. in the day. We do fundraisers. Um, That's or they how had, I like, met. the casting target, like BASS yep. did. So it must have been a Bass Nation at that time. For sure. Um, they did used to do that. You're yeah, right. and then yeah. and then part of the volunteer thing. And, me, you know, I think that it was they enjoyed it. Um, but it was also, it's like doing the lake cleanup in Richmond. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you had to do this stuff, but it's, it's all in good, you know, it's right. really not that big a deal. I mean, I remember Ditto would like, let me ride with her to go watch Doug weigh in sure. at the Silverado. And oh, yeah. it's like, <sighs> yeah, she's and then I fished it as an am the next year. She's like a, she was like a second mom to me yeah. for a little while there. She, she's, like, well, you know, they still can't get over doing that. So they, I mean, they, they've had. They've hosted um, foreign exchange students for years. Um, now they're actually doing, they're down there with the uh, hoppers. I can't remember what the, Hopkinsville hopper, hoppers, I think is what it is. Sure. It's a, it's like the river, is it the river bats here? Or the No, the rocks. Oh, rocks now. It used so to be the like, river bats are cooler. What, yeah. what happened? Yeah, it's the college kids that, you know, are playing semi-pro ball in the summer. 
well, they're host they're host family for three of those kids. Oh, sure. So they've got those rock town hoppers. I don't remember what it is, but they got three of those kids again. So they haven't stopped doing that. They had them last year. Some kids, and now they got them this year. Sure. So I just remember when Mark and I went to visit them, we had to bring in a couple cases of Michelob Golden Draft Light because they don't sell that <laughs> they don't down, sell there. down there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like PBR me ASAP because right. there's, there's none around. Right. Right. So yeah, so I'm I learned from Doug, and then like I'm kind of like in college, right? And Mark Shirley and I are on Pokegama NABC. Yep. And all of a sudden, this Hatton guy starts showing up in Minnesota again. I'm like, who's this Hatton guy? I know who this Hatton guy is. He's good, and I think he waxed him on that Pokegama tournament. He caught really nice bag of smallies, and it was like Hatton's back. Yeah, that that was a good year. That was yeah, a good you, year. That was my first year back. You came home and they're like, I'm catching more than 12 bass a day. Yeah. I'm busting this I'm skulls, not fishing baby. for five anymore. Right. Uh, yeah, we had 19-something. I caught them all in like 45 minutes on one spot. That's and, fun. And, uh, cold front. We didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Catching them on a jerkbait in practice and then went, oh, there they are down on the locator and threw a football jig out and caught five in a row. So. Oh, that's a rough adjustment for Tony. Allen. Yeah, no doubt. Ah, I get to put down trouble hooks we'll and throw adjust a jig. A fo- adjust to a football jig? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was at the time, you know, Matt Matt didn't throw, um, Matt Seymour didn't throw fluorocarbon. What? Well, I suppose. Yeah. Nobody threw fluorocarbon. I did. Well, I didn't do any good yeah, that day. You were day, a freak, but though. I, yeah. uh, no, but. Nerd. <clears throat> there's a lot of these guys throwing, you know, braid to fluorocarbon on bait casters and. I don't do that yet. I I believe that there's a the way the bait falls I with agree braid with, that. with fluorocarbon, and it doesn't fall true with braid. True to how it triggers a fish to eat it. I think getting it off snags the same way, or yeah. you yeah. know, working See, the bait too. Yeah. Yep. I think you can feel too much. Um, I think the bait falls too fast and too much plows into weeds. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I've got a theory in current where it doesn't bow the line right, even right to get the bait to flow right. Yeah. With the current. So, but that's getting that's getting pretty deep. But anyway, well, it is what it is. But yeah. yeah so, yeah, that year I don't know that I think we didn't finish below fifth in a in a tournament that entire <laughs> year. Killed it that year. I remember? Jesus, yeah. like, send this guy back to North Carolina. <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Haven't had a year like that since though. So. That was a I good think one. there's something to that with the freshness, hey. Like Well, the fishing was easy. I don't know what happened, it, but it, it was easy. It's all relative, brother. Yeah. Yeah, we can we can pull out Mr. Einstein's theory of relativity on this one. Go fish down south for six months if you want to crush it up here. Right. Yeah. Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into his time machine and vanished. He awoke yeah. to find himself. Right, right. Yeah. Michael J. Fox, who? Yeah. Yeah. Hydrodufinators. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) But you fish a jig. That's what. So, like, we've had this discussion before, right? And I'm curious if you've changed your tune a little bit because you're a specialist guy. You always have been very focused on being a specialist. And I would consider you a jig specialist. 
But we've also seen kind of something come up on the Elite Series and everywhere else, you know, with generalists kind of taking on the scene. You've, you've right. got your Jacob Wheelers who's doing everything or your Brian your Brian Thrift, so to speak, who's, you know, on a ledge one second and then he's yep. skipping a dock the next. I guess, I guess, have you, are you, but you've got your Rick Cluns who are specialists who win a tournament every year and you're, you've got John Cox who's, I would consider a shallow water specialist who seems to really make that work for him, you know? Right. What I guess jig fisherman's a jig fisherman, crankbait fisherman's a crankbait fisherman. I mean, has that changed at all for you? I know you have you picked up a plug? I know Well, I've definitely picked up a plug. I mean it helped that you know, it <clears throat> it, it helps when you go down south and you you get to throw at eelgrass instead of just feeling for a rock with a crankbait for days on end, right. you know, like a deep cranking situation. Um, <clears throat> was fortunate enough to have Bagley approach me a couple of years ago, and and that has brought a lot of that back to light. Uh, some of the things I really used to enjoy doing was was actually like horizontal, or I mean, a uh, uh, parallel and crank uh, weed lines with crankbaits. Yeah. Um, and so there's a few things that I do with with diving crankbaits, and then I do I I love throwing a square bill as long as I can hit bottom with it I'm good. I would love paralleling some riprap with yeah, the square bill. It's yeah. fun. If if I can hit bottom with it, I'm happy. Uh-huh. You know, and that pro sunny bee that it'll get down to five six feet of water when it's it, when it's eight. tuned right. Right, you get one and it's throbbing right out of the you mm-hmm. know you you pull it out of the box, you tie it on the line, you throw it out there, and that rod tip is bouncing. Right. It's, nice, it's a good one. You nice know. tight action, too. Yeah. They're kind of sleeper baits. It's kind of kind of been cool throwing them because I don't think a lot of people throw them, so I don't think those bass see that, that right. action very much. Well, it's a different, you know, most of the most square bills are a wider wobble. For sure. You know, and that's a lot tighter, um, but it's still, it's a good hunt bait, right? It, yep. It bangs off of stuff and it comes back to center. Yep. Yep. Floats up nice, too. Yeah, and that's the other great thing about balsa is, you know, you break it off in the rocks. Like, I mean, I don't know what I went through. Probably I went probably through 20 crankbaits at, in the amount of time I was at um, at Vermilion. But I probably could have gone through another 75 had I not had them float up when I broke them off. Right, right, right. Because you just can't get them out of them rocks. There's not a little retriever in the world. I mean, unless you've got a grappling hook and can turn rocks over. Right. You're it's not so- getting it back. It's so funny you say that in practice like i was really good at like hold my rod tip up when i'm in the shallow yeah. stuff then working it down then you get to derby day and you're just like in this intent no <laughs> and you snag them up on derby day because it's like this other level of intensities but yeah oh, it's the same way jig fish and riprap I, I had a spot on norman where i go out and practice and catch like 13 pounds <laughs> come tournament that's day, a sack it, on norman for yeah. anyone who's wondering and then, and then tournament day had come in and you'd bust off like six football jigs. And you're like, what the, you know, what happened here? Totally, totally, <laughs> totally. Like, I couldn't get a football jig through to, to save my life. So, so like down south with the shad and shit, yeah. like, those things move around. Do you basically plan for that? And like kind of. I don't care about the shad most of the time. You So you kind of try to pattern something a little different. I, I try to look for football, I mean for jig fish. If I can, if I can find them, 
I'd, I'd rather yeah. I'd rather jig fish than chase around, you know. So it can be done. Shad out in the middle of nowhere with a drop shot. For sure. You know, um, you know, Dale Hollow is one of the best jig lakes I've ever been to. That lake's got giant smallies in it, right? It does, yeah. And yeah, you can't keep them, but that's fine. Yeah, you well, catch them. Well, tur- you can't weigh them in tournaments, so sixteen to twenty-one go back in the water. So, is it like? It seems like a deep lake. Like that's hard to fish a jig like on the bottom. Oh no no no! It's all transition bank. Okay. Yeah, the that's whole lake fun. is transition bank. So, so that chunk rock to bluff and like, it's the, like if ever there was a what I felt like was a lake for me in the south. I think Dale Hollow was it. Dale Hatton. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a very upbeat part of Tennessee, if you will. Gotcha. A little more um, down home. Well, if, from what I understood, that the one side of the lake was cut off when they put the dam up, and it was the main money maker for these people over on the one end of Dale Hollow, and they never adjusted from it from the forties. Oh. And so, like, that portion of that area is, like, the poorest county in Tennessee. Gotcha. And you have the haves and the have-nots. Gotcha. So, so reading and writing's like, a thing. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's... It's a different... Like, that's crazy. Like, I've heard about that in the South. Like, there's, like, areas where they don't... Yeah. Like, it's literally... Like we make the joke... Right. But that's, like... It's sad, man. That's like an actual thing, and like people just—how does that happen? I don't know. I mean, eventually you have to lose enough people to, you know, or enough people have to just skip town with it all. But it's you know that, that some of that mentality, you know, that pride that—and I'm not saying it's a southern thing. I'm sure it's the same thing. And there's people that are still hanging on on the Iron Range that you know, right. and it's not an offense to the Iron Range people, no. but if there wasn't work up there, well. They just eventually found something that, you know, made it work. Yeah. And uh, we can't make moonshine no more. Right. I suppose. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting, but the, that lake is built for a football jig. Oh, that sounds like my lake yeah. too. Yeah, it's transition banks and bluff walls, and it's like every juicy point you ever saw on table rock except the whole lakes like that so and fish on them yeah 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 that's cool not as good as it should be but right they're still good what do them big smallies do out there roam hop on them points no they just swim around they're just out there swimming around you hear about guys catching them in the winter blade baiting well, with a with scoping on them, they're out there swimming in anywhere from five to fifteen feet of water and over sixty, you know. Ugh. And it's like a single swim bait. You throw it out there and wait for the scope to go, you know, and light up, and magically there he is on your line. And uh, <laughs> my buddy drew Jordan Lee. They got my travel partner drew Jordan Lee this year, and uh, like five casts in a half an hour jordan lee had five smallies over 20 inches and under 21 and couldn't oh. keep a one of them he's like i just wanted to start here for fun yeah. <laughs> like if they ever opened it up to smallies it'd be something i don't they even should. go look for them because it's you're you're trying to find the golden unicorn right 
Right. I catch I catch one under sixteen by accident that goes in my bag, but that's so you can't keep one over seventeen? Over sixteen. So twelve to sixteen. Ain't worth keeping. <laughs> oh yeah, it is at times. Uh, I, I would have taken the <laughs> it's only one under. Okay. Or one under and one over. So you can only have two smallies in your bag. Oh. So Oh, so you can have one over. So you can one, have one over twenty one. Oh, <laughs> so we're going. So we're going. Ninety nine Malax rules on them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Pretty exciting. Flipping reeds and eddies. It is. Yeah. All right. Dang. So you go fish for largemouth and hope for some miraculous smallie that makes twenty one inches. Basically, sounds better than fishing old hickory. Sounds like that lake's done. Old stingy. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of. There's a lot of lakes that are tough. I visited, I visited a sweet bait shop on Old Hickory, and that's something that I've always thought was, like, fucking just cool, was those bait shops down south. Oh, yeah. You can't even get them like that up here. Yeah. I bet you've seen the best of the best out of, like, like I went to one on Old Hickory, and the fishing ain't even, the fishing ain't even good there, and that yeah. bait shop was sweet. Well, I mean, the ones on um, uh, Water's Edge on on Gunnersville yeah. on the west side is I mean that's top notch. Water's edge. Waterfront. Waterfront, excuse me. Like Bass Pro's cool, but it doesn't have like those underground sleepy baits like that yeah, you get yeah. at like your mom pa's southern bait shop. Like you, you get a little bit of the well, you got like Scottsboro Tackle. Yeah. On the north end of Gunnersville. That's where them swim baits are coming from and now they're making them for yum. Right. 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 Uh that's <clears throat> yeah so there there's some there's some dandies out there scottsboro's got a good one uh waterfront and then waterfront and uh gunnersville tackle outlet or something like that gto down yeah. across the causeway where hank won um that's another really good they're owned by those two are owned by the same people oh sure and they have a little bit different stuff in them but like yeah i, I got some mega bass that <laughs> You know, things. All of a sudden, somebody puts out. I'm like, why would you put post that on Facebook? Because right. try to try to keep that one to yourself, maybe a little bit. You know. Well, if we're talking mega bass, I, I got something cool to show you after the podcast. Yeah. I got one cool. I have one cool mega bass find that I don't think people do. Yeah. 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 There's some cool stuff out there, but the, right. I mean, it's like the the quality in some of those tackle shops down there. It is nothing but top shelf. Yep. You know, they just put the good stuff. It's like they just put the good stuff. They, in they don't have to do anything else. No, because dumb dumb me is going to come in and drop five hundred dollars on jerk baits because right. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to uh, Lake of the Ozarks straight from this tournament. We got these dumb derby fishermen yeah. that want to win, and they're willing to spend five hundred bucks on this crap. Yeah. yeah, so they don't care. They're just going to throw you the yeah. Here it is. If you don't like it, tough, but. You know, you got mag drafts. You're like buying mag drafts like hand over fist, and <laughs> and it's like, well, I haven't caught a fish on one yet, but I own six of them, so that's great. I own two. They eat them. They fall. I've never understood a mag draft falls. A, a mag draft on the fall is the dumbest looking big bait. Yeah, I've ever seen. Something I noticed. There you go. But no, when I was at Hartwell, there was this. Uh, they made that. There's kind of probably a Scottsboro deal. Yeah. 
It was like 715 baits. They made like these handmade swim baits. And I remember I caught like two big stripers on them in a big old spot. I was just hooked on them. I yeah. ordered some after I left. But those tackle shops, you can't. They don't have those like. Those are special places. Well, and then you'll have, you'll literally have the owner of the shop hand totally. pour something or he makes like a <laughs> chatterbait that you're like, right. what, what is You'll this? have 30 of them on the shelf. It's like. Yeah, mm. yeah. Half ounce, yeah, black, <laughs> no other color. Yeah, but why? Why you don't need any other color? Keep it simple, stupid. I feel like I got hosed when I was with Doug at a shop in oh. Kentucky Lake. It was a cool shop, but I was a dumb Minnesotan, and I feel like they they off some some slow sellers on me. Oh. I feel like with them, you know, they got to do it. Did I'm you like, catch something on them? No, that's why I think that's why I think they were lying. So it was all the bait, not you, for sure. Or I've got or, a lot. I've got a lot of baits that I've been guppied on then. Dude, I got guppied on some gambler trick worms in sprayed, ga- in sprayed grass color okay. on Kentucky Lake. Well, you go down to any fish. Throw head. this on a shaky head. Like, yeah, I know you're trying to get rid of some shaky head worms. I know nobody's bought these in three years. I'll be your guy. I'll buy those packs of shaky worms. You could find a lake down south. They'd eat it. Oh, for sure. He's probably like, yeah, no. You know, they shake probably eat it out on this long lake. Enough, they'll eat it. <laughs> right. You're like, you put Doug, he'll be on some bass. <laughs> You go down south, you fish on the on the boater side, and you get it never fails. Some guy will pull up, and you hate to see it. You see a black trick worm come out, or you see a a Carolina rig that's about eighteen inches long with a lightweight and a freaking green fluke on the back, and you're like, I'm in for a long day because that some bitch going to catch him. It is, yeah, it does. Uh, I Gerald Williams, dad, yeah, Mister. I can't remember what his first name is. He might be a Gerald as well. I drew him on Bugs Island one day and I'm like, oh boy. And he caught him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I hate the Carolina guy. I'm not throwing that thing. You catch him. Catch him. Yeah. Well, you can catch him all you want. When was the last tournament ever won on a Carolina rig? James and I almost won a tournament. Yeah. When was the last tournament ever won on a Carolina rig? We lost by a quarter pound. But um, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. You know, uh, Brian Latimer. It's just a cleanup asked that bait. question. When has it been? Yeah. No, no like, dude. Did you see that the other it's day? It's like the. It's like the. Oh, I'm fucked. Yeah. Like bait. It's not the winning bait. Yeah. No, it's the. Oh my god, my spots ain't panning out. Right. I need. I, it's like a scrape up a third place bait. Right. Sometimes you got to do that. We were talking about that earlier. Right. Not right. But no, uh, Latimer was asking the other day. He asked a question on Facebook, and it was going to be this conspiracy or you know this. Uh, it's going to be a big problem. It's like name the name a bait in the last twenty five years that's new that's winning tournaments. Chatterbait. Well, but there's only like it was like literally it was like the Senko Chatterbait, Chatterbait and I don't remember what the other one was, and nobody could name it. He vote hair no. jig. Hair jig's been around as a walleye bait for one hundred and forty eight years. It, I'm just Nicholas saying, Hockey. no, he asked this question, and I can't remember what all the answers were, but it was interesting because people would be like, oh, well, what about this? Well, you know, uh, Yamamoto made that originally. Or, right, right. You know, right, like, right. no, Yum Dinger isn't Nedrick, something special. that's a jig worm bite. Yeah, that's a jig worm. It's been around since, you know, before gopher tackle, for God's sake. Right, right, right. Yeah. Spy bait. Oh, Nikosaki. 
Yeah, Bagley made the original spy bike, right? It just floated on top. Yeah, it floated. Twin spin. <laughs> <laughs> Bang on lure. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Either them or Smithwick with the devil's horse. I don't know which was which came first, the horse or the <laughs> I think the ho- I feel like the horse did, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Fixed fixed hooks on the devil's horse, though. That's a bad deal. Yeah, I saw some interesting with rotating trebles. Have you ever seen that trebles that rotate? To me, that's genius. No. Yeah. You ever tie braided split rings? I've been told to, but I haven't really done it. Until there's a tournament that can be won on a blade bait, I won't do it. But, yeah. Hayden Anderson can do it. I can't do it that good. But it's a thing. It's I mean, a good way to put hooks in your hand. I'm good at that. Yeah. 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 Do the old line snappy snappy trick. Dane's good at getting hooks in his hand. Yeah. Bad. I put one in at Gunnersville. You did? Yeah. Do you be, cut? Be, do you be, cut and go out the other side? Or no, do you no, just, no, no. You just freaking... No, I... Drink some sweet tea and call it good. <laughs> I, I grabbed my rods, and be, it was when Beeman was down there. Oof! It just stuck one right in, like, right here. <sighs> right in the meat. Right in the meat on a with, with a trap. Right in the casserole. <laughs> right? <laughs> I need a ride. <laughs> but uh, I'm like, Okay, Beeman, I need this, 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 and this. And he gets it, and I can tell he's getting a little bit like maybe he's not going to be kosher with yanking this thing out of my hand, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. And I, <laughs> so I, I got it off the O ring or whatever. And, and so I did it myself. Like, I'm like, or maybe I had him just hold the barb down or the, the shank down or whatever. And, I popped it out. I tell you what, that one hurt worse than any other one I've ever pulled out of myself. It's like, oh, we just did that. To, uh, Thompson's wife got one in her, in her, yeah. Was it two fingers, thumb and ring finger? She was pinned, Ugh. and yeah. And he called me and he's like, "Hey, I need your help. Where are you at?" Thankfully, I wasn't. I was like three miles, so I run in and. It's like, I didn't know she's going to pass out. She gets real squeamish with blood and whatever else. Yeah. She's like, I didn't know if I was going to have to carry her ass up to the, you know, yeah, up yeah. to somewhere or what the heck was going to go on. So I called you, make sure I had you. Well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I helped, helped calm her down, and then I was holding her fingers, you know, apart so that, he, and he's like, uh, you know, he gets it all tied up. He's like, all right, one, boom. <laughs> and he's like, I knew we'd never make never it to made three. Never three, yeah. No, <laughs> she'd be squeamish. But, but I was holding her like trying to make sure I didn't get hooked and trying to hold her fingers straight so that it would actually, yep. instead of fold down and then she'd have them in further into the paw. It's like, oh. Dude, you hook them little bastards on a crankbait. Those are the Those worst. Those are the worst. I got one in the, the face under one time. 12s. Yeah. Remember Green Lake? I was fishing the Green Lake Classic and for what it, this, this is what I get for throwing a crankbait in the morning, right? Freaking hook a 12-incher. I go to like, you know how your rod's loaded up? Yeah. Yep. Like I'm flipping it into the boat and it, I'm just kind of like hanging it there because it's tiny. And it's like, it jumps off and the rod loaded up just <laughs> brings the crankbait. Oh, right in the lip, right? I got it right fucking here. And I thought I, uh, my partner at the time was going to pass out. And it, 
it actually was the smoothest out that I had had. It looked way worse. I was worried about my lip yeah. and just ripping off. But, dude, hooks are they're sharp. <laughs> you wonder how fish gets off. That's Why the first do those thing bastards ever... get off? Yeah, I mean, you pull one out, you're like, that hurt, man. Yeah, those fuckers tear themselves. Yeah. Like, ah, yeah. Done. No, not today. They pin you in a tree, and they're like, I'm just going to pull this out of me. <laughs> they're crazy. They're crazy. They're wild animals, man. I mean, they're wild animals. You know, Hank caught them on crack, but. Yeah. You know. oh, Hank's not here no more, but. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Damn it, Bobby. God damn it, Bobby. I got a treble in my finger again. God damn it, Bobby. Boom, Howard. I don't understand a word you're saying. You do it way better than me. God damn it. I need another Pendleton, Bobby. God damn it. I'll tell you what, that's not Alamo beer. <laughs> That's going on the Insta reel. Uh, so, do you, do you want a little like Peter Griffin or something to go with it? Hey, Peter. <laughs> do, yeah, no, yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, uh, Lois, we're going to need another ambulance. <laughs> that one was fucking. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, dear. I hope you don't find that money strapped <laughs> to my thighs. <laughs> Oh, motherfucker, Hollywood, call this man. <laughs> yeah, no, you just, you I might have heard yourself. It's <laughs> like, I fish. I do voices, too. <laughs> oh, dear, I hope you don't find that jig tied to my line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking funny. Favorite lake in the country to fish Ooh. not minnesota not minnesota go then include minnesota not minnesota lake champlain lake champlain 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 if you can get over all of the sandals and Birken, or the birkenstocks and plaid shirts you're good to go you can get through the hippies champlain's a spot amen fair enough no no yeah. it's a, a, a that's like god's it, it's like vermilion only it's upstate new york you know yeah it's I've heard it's epic. Oh, it's beautiful. Wind blows pretty good. They it got does. gobies yet? I don't know. They're pretty close to gobies. Yeah, the wind blows on the Tuyahoga River too. So, yeah. Never forget watching Denny Brower run down, flip a, flip a jig down there. Oh, and that tall cane. Yep. Yeah, back when he threw, he flipped twenty five pound strand. Yep. Yep. That was like a. I'll never forget that derby. That and the. It was like those derbies were like, our smallmouth's going to win or our largemouth. Yeah. I remember he won that one, and then Tommy Biffle on Oneida with the Sweet Beaver. Yeah. I don't know. As a kid, I remember those two. I don't know why. Yeah. Denny, Denny was flipping out of Missacoya, and I don't remember the Tommy Biffle one very well, but. You were yeah, fishing. Yeah, those tight shorts. And- <laughs> Tommy Biffle. Biffle <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Beaver all day. <laughs> That's the best. That it's like the only guy that they'll do impersonations of all of the oh, everybody guys. Yeah. They've all got the Tommy Biffle. Yeah, and better so, take your shoes off before you get in my boat. Oh, the Gerald Swindles. God, 
you ever listen to his whole part for his five part deal on oh i'll have to send you the links i'd love to hear oh that. he i could listen to him he's fucking fun it is awesome it's like he did it for i don't remember what it was for but it's literally it's like four and a half hours long it's like all the pma stuff and oh yeah dude he could do it stand is up, awesome in my opinion absolutely he, he already do does it fact yeah fact. He, he already does it fact yeah so champlain what about minnesota well vermilion's got to be right there yeah it's good you know i don't know i like too many of them i really i've got a love affair with a number of lakes in this state pelican well yeah i mean pokagama so vermilion uh i love lahamadu yeah i love whitefish not pelican but lahamadu is the best yeah well i didn't say that i hate lahamadu I don't. I don't hate it. You're so good out there. No, I just. I. I really enjoy some of those old lakes, and I get tired of people trying to get too cute on the, you know, on the schedules. The schedules, like, hey, here we go. Well, if a guy fishes more than a few tournaments a year, and you now you've got to practice for weeks on end for a tournament, right? You know, because there's these two jerks out there that um they they don't sleep at night jerks. and they idle the lake all night jerks and um there's one that drives a white vexus right behind me um, jerks yeah his name's aaron teal jerks and apparently he likes to be under the stars i do yeah, hey it worked like, out for us galaxy one, right worked out for us one time it did yeah yeah it, well, did. it doesn't work out a lot too right and I and I respect the fact that you do that work, but it's hard to compete with that when you're, you know, 124 years old and And see the way I see it is if I don't graph at four AM, Tony Hatton's gonna have the cast lined up on me and I'm fucked. So like it's a catch twenty two is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I get it. it, it I'm just saying that the people are working a lot harder as right. a whole than they used to. Totally. You know. And kudos to you, but uh, you know, to, to, to all the guys that do that, there's a lot of guys that are practicing a lot more than they used to, where it used to be guys would fish, you know, practice for two, three, four days at max and maybe two weekends. There is a, such a thing as too much practice. 100%. And I'm trying well, to find that fine line on the Toyotas as well. Typically when I'm out at 4 a.m., it's because I only had two or three days sure. and I ain't found them yet. Right. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. To me, two weeks is way too much. Yeah, and I, you know, I get it. I, I listen to the Noah, the Noah podcast with that that stuff and him talking about it, and I get that you might see things better on your graph than you did before, mm -hmm. right? Because that's all you got to look at. Right. What the heck else do you have to look at? Right. Although I hate bugs, so I hate bugs too. Yeah. So that wouldn't be. I learned this doing it the couple times I did it. Is there's an hour window of really bad bugs, if and then they get go away that, a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah. a campfire. They level out. Yep. Yeah. Noah's club seemed to do that to him. Yeah. To an extent. Like, it seemed like that was like, it was like this kind of thing that became like, that's what you needed to do to compete down there, which is just a different. Yeah. Like, our league is never, like, we have really good competition in the league we fish, and it's, I don't think it'll ever be that. Well, but I, I don't think, think that anybody was, that gives a, a little, shit enough. That was a little bit bigger than, than the, Granite for sure, right? for sure. That was weekend it's, it's, deals for a couple hundred bucks a pop. Right, right, right. Way bigger. Yep. yep. So th those were the team tournaments down there. Those were the, you know, big bass bonanza back in the day or something like right, that. Right, where, right, right. Um, 
that was all they kind of had. There's not a lot to freaking scan on those lakes, so it's like I think it got kind of like down and dirty. Like, one more, one more rock down there. Yeah, like there's an extra chair down in the bottom right. of the lake this year. Yeah, or an extra. <laughs> we're thinking the same thing. Let's get offline. <laughs> yep. Uh, cut. Okay, we're back. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> no, but seriously, you ready for another? Yeah. Yeah. The Hibdens, you got to know, like the Hibdens fishing, that that had to have been cool. Like, did they teach you teach you some cool stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, well, Dion's a jig fisherman. I mean, so so that was. Uh, I practiced with him two thousand eight okay. on the FLW tour slash series between the couple of tournaments I fished. I, I practiced with him on Clark's Hill and um and up at Champlain. So I got to practice with Dion for like four days on Champlain. Cool. And then, um, and then I ended up drawing Art Ferguson on day three up sure. there. So I ended up in the best of both worlds because at that time Dion was kind of a king. Him, Scott Martin, yep. and Art Ferguson were kind of the kings of Champlain. Sure. They were the guys that always were like top ten guys. Gotcha. So I got to practice with Dion and – it was funny the first first day of practice on Champlain. I I hooked a six pounder on a jig behind him, uh-huh. and um, and he was instantly on the phone with his dad. Instantly, it's like he calls him up. And he's like, "Dad, Tony just got a six pounder. What the hell did you catch that on?" And you know, and, that's cool. Uh, so he's like, "Oh, black jig with a bright blue trailer on it which was just a you know regular old flipping blue or sapphire blue whatever it was pro yeah. chunk back pro in the chunk. day yeah and uh so yeah and then went to clark's hill and i whooped him out of the back of the boat and practiced like for two days on a sabule uh swimmer okay and yeah. i was just burning it and um i knew where i could get more of them yep. so i ended up airing in a bunch of uh, of these swim baits for him, or not swim bait. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess it's a swim bait. It's kind of a famous bait right. for a little bit. Faircloth, I think, won one on it, and uh, somebody else won on uh, on Clark's Hill with it on the um, on the blueback herring. Yep, is like the first like epic blueback herring imitator. Yeah. The Sabile swimmer, swimmer or something. Yeah. I thought it wasn't sexy swimmer. Sexy yeah. swimmer was the version, the striking right. version, which is pretty solid. Right, the three jointed minnow. Yeah, thing. yeah. I've still got them, and one day they're gonna work. Someday, one day they'll work in Minnesota. They're owned by a different company now. I'm, or are they? I've still got the originals. The OGs are supposed to be good. Yeah, couldn't tell you though. Odds Garage. Yeah, those are good crankbaits. Haven't thrown them. Yeah. I have a friend of mine that throws them quite frequently. Seem to be okay if you can skip them under something. <laughs> There's a lot of good baits out there, but... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Crankbait, I think, is underthrown in Minnesota. Well, it is, but, you know, not everybody can throw. I mean... They, they, it's not easy to throw in Minnesota. Right. The, the, the bottom line is you got to get good at something. Yep. First and foremost... <laughs> and this is this you've heard this argument out of me I'm why sure i want to be bad at so many things right yeah. yeah you've heard this argument out of me out of so many things and i got actually got bashed on bass heads one day for this but yeah um happens. no uh how did denny brower win all of his money jig yeah jig right he jig. either 
drug a football jig, or flip bushes, flip the tube in bushes, flip the jig in bushes, flip the jig on timber, blah blah blah, right? Flip the jig, flip the tube, flippity flippity right. flop. He threw everything with 20 or 25 pound strand. Big strand. line. How'd Kevin Van Dam win all his money? Crankbait, jerkbait. Oh, hmm. Right? Yep. Reaction baits, right? Yep. yep. Not on not on a chatterbait. No. Nope. Not on a swim bait. Nope. Not on a drop shot. Nope. It was a six XD, a five XD, uh alteration to said five or six XD. Wasn't it was slow. His, it was a square bill. It was full throttle. It was a jerk bait as fast as you could throw it. <laughs> so my point is versatility within what you do is more important to me than a complete versatile fisherman. Sure. Yeah. Because if you're a good jig fisherman, generally you can be a pretty good Senko fisherman or you can right. throw a wacky rig Senko on a weed line right. or, or you, or jig you worm. craw jig or a craw tube or, or in a, in a jig worm. Yep. Right. Those are all jig. They're a jig. Right. Very right. But those are all variations. Those are all jig variations. Yep. I don't need to throw necessarily a Nico and a Ned and a. Do they all I mean, work? Those are they jigs. Have, I know. Those they, are jig variations. I know, but I'm just saying, like, how many of them do you need? I don't know. You know, it's Good not question. like. How many? How many of the Elite Series guys have you seen mop up on a Nico rig? Brandon Polinick and brandon lester yeah. this year on so, I mean, i'm just saying like not, as a whole yep not right? very often besides it seems like pressured reservoirs right is there a place yeah. for it there absolutely is a place for it i'm yep. just saying you don't have to be good at everything you need some no, you form of finesse in your pocket yep that works for you yep if it's a four inch wacky rig senko on a weighted hook that's your finesse yep I don't need anything cuter than that. I don't need to, just because everybody else is throwing a Ned rig, throw a Ned rig. Because I can catch a jig worm fish. I'll be damned if I can catch a Ned rig fish. I mean, I don't catch very many, and I don't know why. I don't fish it slow enough, apparently. You just got to throw it out and fall asleep for 15 minutes and let mm -hmm. the fish swim between 12 piles of weeds. and Yep. Um, Something like that. It's like a jig worm, but smaller. Right, and, and slower. Yeah. <laughs> No, and, and more power to you. But yeah. you just don't have to be, you can't be good at everything. You flat out cannot be good at everything. I think that's a really good point. And that's something I struggle with. Is you feel like as an angler, like young anglers out there or whatever, watching every angler catch them on this, that, or this, or that, you feel like you need to, you feel like you need to be good at everything. But it's the truth of the matter is that you don't. Right. You need Look to be at good Tony at, Hatton. No, you need to be good at catching fish. I mean, That's right. That's all. That's all there is to it. The, the the number one reason you catch fish fishing is confidence. Has very little to do with the bait you're throwing or whatever it is because there's guys that still go out and grease them on spinner baits. When was the last spinner bait fish you caught? Tried to catch a couple this year. Uh-uh. Right. Well, I, I mean, caught a spinner bait fish this year besides a pike. Right, Rob Storer and I went out one time last year, and he was beating my butt on a spinnerbait, and I'm like, what I, I don't get it, right? Or chatterbait. I, right. I, I can't hardly catch fish on a chatterbait. Everybody and their mother catches them on a chatterbait. I've learned to love it more, but still, yeah, Man, not I as mean, much as everybody else. And I get it. I get it. I just, it's not my forte. Not your deal. That's okay. So, 
<clears throat> you just can't be good at everything. You can't possibly be good at everything. Right. And, you know, there's, you watch like a Van Damme back in, you know, it'd be on like wherever fork or something. And he's on one of those schools where he's just peeling them on a six XD and then they stop. And then he goes to a non rattle and then he's peeling them again. And then, you know, then about fourth time through the school, he's, you know, he's throwing a big five inch swim bait or six inch swim bait and they might catch one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but you and don't see him catch any. Yeah. I mean, and then this guy goes behind him with Carolina rig and catches yeah. two more. And they're both throat hooked and they're both dead in the live well. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Was that your first two fish with Carolina rig? Is no, that that's just every rig? fish you catch with a Carolina rig. You got to cut the line out of them. I lose them even sometimes on it. <laughs> I don't know how. Swim bait's too big. <laughs> but no, I mean, but the bottom line is you need to you need to be confident in what you're throwing. Hundred percent. And if you're not confident in what you're throwing, why is it tied on the deck? Valid. So, if you're, you know, I look at thrift, and thrift's one of the best fish. And by the way, I fish. He's kind of an anomaly in that. He is. He is. But then you got new, who thinks that he's Brian Thrift because he's fished with Brian Thrift. It's funny you say that. This podcast even came hasn't even come out yet, and Matt Peters said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he's got 15 on both sides of the deck, and I fished against both those guys. You know, it's funny. We'll go back to the Seth thing for a second. Yep, yep. Right? So everybody freaks out when Seth shows up. Yep. We kind of, I got off, I got off subject with Moyna earlier because people just don't appreciate Jim Moyna, and Jim Moyna's a hammer, absolute hammer, and I don't use hammer for a lot of people. Hammer. Yeah, stop him a time. Um, People freak out when Seth shows up. Yeah. When I fished team tournaments in North Carolina, one of the teams was Thrift and Montgomery. Brian Thrift and Andy You got it. Montgomery? Yes. Okay. Might as well put it on the trailer, folks. And then you had Hank Cherry and Shane Lineberger. Oofta. Okay. Yep. Uh, And you had Todd Otten, and I believe he fished with Chris Baumgartner. I believe Chris Baumgartner was a yeah. was a stud on yep. the FLW tour. Yep. I think that's who he fished with. Um, you know, you'd have Britt Meyer show up. Um, Boyd might show up. Um, uh, Rob Dye and Scott Hamrick. Scott Hamrick is probably, and no offense to Robbie Dye, who's one of uh, he's a good friend of mine, but. <clears throat> Hamrick is his partner. Was his you partner? You suck, Robbie Die. No, he's kidding. not at all. I mean, dude made the stayed in the Elite Series for totally. a number of years. Um, David Williams wasn't he? David Williams, movie? yeah, he fished with his old man a lot. Um, who's a Gerald? Gerald's David's dad and, and fantastic man, still alive, thank God. He's a good, good man. Um, but yeah, you you would show up for a twenty five thirty boat tournament, and it'd be those guys it's those guys it's literally 25 teams of seth fighter and john figgy right 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 right. yep that's the south right well but that's yeah that's lake norman right yeah it wasn't for the week of the faint of heart Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it it, uh so people show up oh we got sesser it's one spot it's not the other yep seven money spots are not going to seth fighter well he only gets one 
Right. He only gets one totally. out, of this, out of this tournament. It's not he fighter, went thrift, Auten, yeah. friggin' Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where does it end? It's just. It's crazy. So it's just funny that it, I always think of that, and I always kind of have to chuckle about that. Well, it's like there's only a few derby lakes in each state. Right. Down there. So it's like you're going to get those guys. Right. At those events. Well, and you, you have a, you have a huge in, right. The, the, for a long time, the, the biggest pod of anglers was either from North Carolina or they were from Alabama, mm-hmm. like central Alabama. So the Pickwick, Guttersville, yep. uh, River, yep. yep. Those guys. And then that Texas pod. Or yep. you get like the fork or somewhere down in there. Yeah. And that's where the vast majority of the anglers and the entire pro circuits came from. Still kind of is that. It, it still, still is. Still to an extent. It's getting better. It's getting more, you know. For sure. You got the freaks of nature like Palinic and. Right. Yeah, you get some guys from You know, Georgia. Seth and Austin and. Well, Bob Downey's a Wisconsinite. He's not a Minnesotan. But, came out of nowhere. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Plays a river, river at, isn't he? Yeah, he fished at UMCBS or BCS. Sure. Uh, Kazuski's trail. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I've always heard he's good. Just, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm young. He probably know. fished against us at that turtle flambeau flowage. Probably. Yeah. If we went back and looked at it. Before before and after we spun a hub. Yeah. And then caught the biggest bag of the tournament the second day, I That believe. was nice. Yeah, that was a sweet, <laughs> sweet gesture. We got to idle for like an hour and a half on day one in the snow and rain and wind. and Yeah, I got to experience your Sioux City goalie tryouts that weekend. That oh, was nice. You did? <laughs> I don't know. We kind of got, yeah, screwed by that stump. Oh, yeah, that was, or whatever happened. Whatever we happened. We still don't even know. Yeah, no. Went to get on pad and something popped and that was the end of our day. It was wild. Not good. No buenage. No buenage. No. So you're living on a private lake now. Yep. Stocking it slowly with bass. <laughs> I might have dropped one or two in there, but yeah. big pike in there, from what I hear. There's a few. Yeah. I haven't seen a real big one yet, but I don't and get you to fish and Andy out there got much. The business. Yeah. Daycare is going good. She's a sweetheart. Shout out to Mandy. She's a saint. I would agree with that. Yep. Yep. Well, it's good. It seems like she's she likes to catch some bass too. Yeah, well, she doesn't get in the boat very much anymore, but she's busy. She's very busy. So. She likes it that way though. Yeah, she does. She keeps herself busy on. Yeah. I don't know. Good. Subconsciously. Right. Yeah. You been on the shoe lately? No. I don't either. Wednesday. It's club night. Is it? Yeah. I have to show up for a change. <laughs> Be like my third one of the year. Yeah. Might go. Might go. Got to be a heck of a frog bite out there right now. I would think the water's clearing up, though. It's yeah. been kind of weird. There's an awful lot of duckweed out there. There is. Yeah. They <laughs> like duckweed. <laughs> they like duckweed. The water was, uh, we had that big storm. And there's a culvert that, you know, we don't talk about, but yeah, water's usually flowing one way. We got so much rain, the water flew the, the other opposite. way. So I thought I was going to, like, blow some bogs out. 
so I I went back there to check. Mm. Not enough. No, no, not enough. But someday, <clears throat> someday we'll get a riverboat and do it. <laughs> right. Well, shit. Tony, do you want to tell us your secret of how you fish a jig before we go, or or we can be done? No, I can talk about jig fishing. I kind of like to do that. So yeah. Well, you're probably one of the best jig fishermen I've ever met. So we can kind of. Well, what do you want to know about it? Well, I I know things already. It's oh. more so like what you'd want to share with. If there's any young punks listening who want to really know how to fish a jig, they maybe want to keep listening. If yeah. uh, the old punks, I guess uh, they've probably already lost their their habits. But right. Um, you fish a jig like nobody I've ever seen. So to me, it's it's there's a process you have that's a little bit different, maybe than. Your average Joe, it seems like you talk to pros and they're all about three quarter ounce this, five eighth ounce that. And I guess to me, you fish a, a jig a little bit different. And I would call it, I don't know if I'd call it power finesse, but that seems to be kind of the MO of it is it's kind of a power technique that you kind of bring a finesse approach to it. Yeah, I think I, I've, got, I've, I've, I've termed it like a, I fish slow fast. Yeah. I want to say Noah might even use that term a couple of weeks ago. Doug used the term for me on yeah. how to fish a certain lake. Right. Fish as many spots as you can, as slow as you can. And I've taken that to the grave. Yeah. I mean, because you're fishing small area, um, you know, not an entire point necessarily. You're fishing the juice. You're looking for the juice. Yep. So um, <clears throat> the, the fish have to dictate the weight of the bait. You know, yep. there there's times where they want a three quarter, and mm-hmm. there's times that they want a three ace, and there's times that a half works as well as anything. And the trailer affects all of that. And the trailer affects all of that. So um, I throw a lot of rage craw, a yep. lot of rage craw, um, and um, but it's the fall rate. Um, you know, cutting the bait down a little bit, trimming it down a little bit, so it's a little bit smaller profile in Minnesota, especially. Um, I throw probably three ace more than anything else I throw. I've noticed that. Um, and half is generally a heavy jig for me. Why is that? Would you say? Because uh, I don't fish in the weeds as much as people. People tend to go throw in and fight the weeds. Yep. I tend to try to hit the weed edge or where it starts to thin out. And so I think that that smaller finesse type of approach of three ace, it it doesn't bury up as hard. It's not as hard to shake loose. It's easier to get to the edge. Right. Well, I've really even noticed the rod in your hand and the angle of the rod that you maintain when you're working the jig. It's, It's almost like you have your arm and your hand trained to work a jig just so beautifully like through the grass through whatever it is in front of you and to me a lot of people lose that well a lot of people tend to grab it you know when they throw a jig they're trying to pop it off of the 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 weeds like snap it off of the weeds and i again you if you watch if you watch a crayfish in the water what do they do are they really trying to draw attention to themselves no they don't even flick the weeds do right So they're they're crawling. They're they're slowly easing down uh, a, a cabbage leaf, mm-hmm. down a stalk. 
they're crawling on the bottom, not trying to draw attention to themselves. They're not hopping all over the place going, hey, man, look at me. Look at me. Come on. Right? They're trying not to get eaten. Right. And so when I fish a jig, I think of it that way as I'm a crayfish trying to sneak out. I am the crayfish. I am the crayfish. Yeah. <laughs> I am Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know. I'm not singing to Ariel or anything down by the sea. Of course. Yeah. yeah, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not I'm not banging on a conch shell or anything. Yeah. We um, all have the soundtrack, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Under the sea. Under the sea. <laughs> all right. So, you know, I I try to sneak that jig along and and what many many don't seem to understand is that that, that the fish bite on a dead stick when it's stopped or or they'll they'll either bite when it falls immediately when it falls that's that kind of that fish slow fast they're either going to bite it on the fall when you initially pick it up or if you leave it lay on the bottom they're not biting anywhere in between that and if you have one screwing with it you shake it a couple of times and that's where you start to get into the unique holding of the rod where i've got almost a gary klein approach of my finger on the line and yeah um I actually will hold on to the rod in front of the reel in a weird fashion, which is why it's taken me so long to get to a gearbox reel. It's like your Obi-Wan Kenobi talking to Yoda. Through, right, through, right. Through, through the water. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fish with those that helmet thing on that Luke can't see the little lasers getting shot at him. Sure. The Millennium Falcon kind of a deal. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and so it's... To me, it's it's about that outside weed line. It's that it's that magical, like two three feet in the weeds, and that two three feet out of the weeds. Yep. And that's where the vast majority of your bites are coming. You keep your jig there longer than everybody else. Everybody else, they're two three feet in the weeds, and they snap snap, and now they're past the past the glory zone, right? So to speak, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're getting out onto the break instead of being at that transition and right on the edge we we talk about a a one magical spot that you found in the middle of the night on a side image and you caught them all (laughs) well well, right but you know i found it you caught them he found it he didn't necessarily know how to fish it at the time he learned they were so damn many bass there i didn't need to know how to fish you chucked a jig (laughs) within 50 foot of the fucker a three pounder bit it well, they, like. they wanted one specific cast on tournament day. Uh, yeah. He's like, man, I got a GPS coordinate. You need to go check. And I drive up to it. I get like one bite. I'm like, well, there's a bite there. So we'll start there. That's fine. I mean, practice was tough. It was terrible. Dude, it's brutal everywhere besides that spot for me. And uh, it, it took me a few minutes on the spot to kind of figure out the double stair step. And and then it was the that one cast. And... And it, it took, like, throw right there. Throw right there. It it's so funny. I don't know how many fish we had on the bottom of the boat, but it was, it was cool. substantial. When I've no, learned, we, we pulled the eight, and I'm like, holy shit, that's our limit already? Like It's like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it was stupid. I was just net man. Like, just uh, but it's magic when it happens, man, and. It but is. but that that's one of those understanding what you're hitting and not just snapping it out of the weeds. Well, it's right? hard and to I'm, not snap your jig out of the weeds on that spot. It absolutely it is. 
It absolutely is. But a craw tube, I could shake it in there yeah. better. That's what I've learned since then. But. Yeah, you just need to you need to be able to feel what you're feeling. Yeah, and and I think go back to the braid thing for a minute, right? You're right. Why right. why do I fish fluorocarbon? I think you move the line, move the bait too much with with braid. Oh yeah, right. You've got a little bit of stretch or a little bit of play or a little bit of drag. You can also keep a semi-taut line better with with right. fluorocarbon, right? And um, so I think that that that's part of it to play too. I think you learn or feel a spot better as far as what's going on with it, and understanding that it comes from here. We're going from weeds. Now we're going into a little gravel spot. Then all of a sudden, there's a little patch of weeds again, right? Then you drop another couple feet, and there's there's weeds, and or, or there's there's a, there's another hard spot, and then it drops into the abyss, right? And when you start to understand spots like that, uh, the the intricacies, the the juice of that spot, that's that's in essence what you're fishing. You're not fishing an entire weed line, right? Right. You've shown me that probably more than anybody else. Just really letting your bait tell you what the spot is. You know what I mean? Like I feel like a lot of people don't let their lure talk to them anymore, yeah. like because their graphs telling telling exactly. them what the spot is. You yeah, know? for sure. And that's and I actually and that used to be what a jig was right. If if I can get away with it, I throw a football jig. Of course, right. I mean, like if it, if the weeds are thin enough that I can not have to pull a weed off every single cast, I'm gonna throw a football jig over a regular weed jig. You're the first guy I've ever met, and this probably impressed me the most. Who's who gets who will crawl a football jig through the grass? Yeah. You're probably the only guy I know to do it, and maybe I let out a secret, so I'm sorry yeah, about that. Right. I, I whether I say it or it. not, like I still will let them go do it because they can't do it like you. Yeah, they're still gonna because I've seen it. Do it. Yeah, and I can do it like you, like 10 percent of the time I've been able to do it, but yeah. I still, I still don't think I, I can even do it like I, you. And I've watched you do it. I just believe that maintaining bottom contact is, especially in a world where we live in, where minnesota wise or upper midwest wise they eat crayfish let's not joke about it no you they know, do like uh, crayfish and bluegills right they're eating one of two th- one of three things they're eating their crayfish well crayfish and then bluegill and perch will kind of use those in the same two because they're about the same color palette yep and then you have crappies right they're gonna eat one of those i think big bass like crappies they absolutely do yeah. Right, but you, you dictate your your color of your jig based on what they're eating. Right, if they're if it's a crappie lake, a great crappie lake, they're probably going to like black jigs black a whole blue. lot. Yeah, right. If they're a bluegill lake and a crayfish lake, they're going to like the green pumpkin. Right, or right. or a perch lake. Right, you know, and then you have oddities that they eat both. They, they don't give a rip which one it is. It just right. depends on the day. Yep. Yep. But. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think it's it's part of fishing small. You, you know, you got to fish a lot of water to get to the point of fishing a bait like that. Yeah, you know, you got to understand the spot you're fishing in right. order to do it, or or know that there's fish in that particular spot. Well, it seems like a, a certain jig will do the job a little better than another, and right. then there's like jigs that do things like really well. Like with, I've noticed that with like. So you'll throw a football jig, but you won't throw just any football jig. We don't need to name the name, right? Um, because I think that's that's kind of an important key that we'll keep keep between us. But um, 
like the type or style of head you're using really seems to make a difference in being able to work your bait effectively on a spot which i feel like you've taught me that more than more than a lot of people yeah it's got a buried line tie in it i mean so that's part of it i think yep. to not get caught up as much minnesota wise um if i'm elsewhere in the country i'll throw a standard i, th- I throw a california reservoirs yep a football jig would tied by my friend john uh in minnesota i generally do throw a different brand yeah That's, recess line ties yeah recess too. line tie so it's not getting caught as much just one less thing to to fight well, and that, I think that's enough secret we need to give right. give everybody yeah, is so. that recess line tie. But um, I no, cut down all my skirts too on my football jigs. You all trim the way them down to the hook. Uh, okay, so you won't leave them real long. No, 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 because I'm throwing like a, some flare. I well, do it so it doesn't get in. You the don't, thickness of the skirt. Do you think that makes a difference? Thickness of the skirt. Yeah, you want to. You want to be a little bit thinner. So thinner it, skirt. It the more you cut bit. it. Yeah, a little bit of that, but I think it's more just to keep out of the way of the kickers. Yeah. Right? Could be, I mean, I, I throw only two trailers on a football jig. It's either a Rage Craw or it's a Yamamoto 5-inch twin tail. I like the 4-inch. <laughs> Depends on But I had to catch them behind you, so like you're throwing now, the 5, and I think on the 4, the dead stick, those pinchers on the 4 yeah, on the it's, dead it's stick. Kind of, it's kind of like know. throwing the old, uh, you know, like... One of the ironic jig things of all time is, in the fall, a zoom swimming chunk is better than a pro chunk, and it doesn't really move. If you're fishing it's, with Doug Petrack, a zoom swimming chunk's better than a pro chunk like every day. Yeah. That's like the only chunk I've seen him throw. He'd be like, just shake it on the bottom, yeah. and it was like a baby brush hog on a jig, Pretty basically. Much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but, you're saying I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. I, I think it works better in the fall. And it's, there's, I think it's probably because it doesn't, you don't have to move it and it moves just a hair, just a little It kind of like tickles without even need to move it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a four inch Yamamoto. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just leave that jig on the bottom and the, (laughs) it just kind of, yeah. It's like an octopus. It is like octopus. 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 Yeah. By the way, why, why is every... Every movie, every show on TV got to have a British accent. Well, gee, I don't know, Mr. Tony. I mean, like, it doesn't matter what it is. Harry Potter, I can't understand it because it's it's not filmed, so you can actually hear voices. Yeah. Right? And sorry, all you Harry Potter fans, but... No, I ain't fucking bass in Britain. <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> just saying, like, why has everything got a British accent? I hear you, boss. It's like... The island's like fucking the size of Pelican Island right. on the line. It's a tiny little island. <laughs> Pelican <laughs> Island is. <laughs> I've got a different name for that off the Horseshoe here. Birdshit Island. No. <laughs> anyway, what else you want to know? I don't know. We've been killing it. I feel like I feel like we have a bunch of gold. I'm I'm down to talk for whenever. We're just like. I don't know. The way I see it, this podcast, we're learning. And, like, I don't know. Well, we haven't had beers in a while or drinks in a while, so it's just good to just have some drinks with you, brother. I think it's all right. I think... Uh, so, Andy Montgomery sounds like Boomhauer, you know? Boomhauer? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it ain't no boom. Bang, bang, boom! <laughs> right? I mean... 
I bet you've seen I, some shit. I, I called him Boomhauer for years, but not to his face. Boomhauer. Yeah. He's got like this just dang dole like megalomar dang dole boom. I don't know why they put me in the Strike King commercial <laughs> first, but I'm Andy Montgomery and I'm gonna talk to you about Rage Cross and how I throw them on the Tennessee River ledge fishing. I reel a one ounce football jig as fast as I can. I'm Andy Mont. Like that's yeah. what he's like. Yeah, he's getting better. You know, he's like a, he's really smart. I believe that. He's some form of a engineer of some sort. I don't remember what it is, but dude's smart. Got a four-year degree. No shit. Smart, smart, yeah. Yeah. Dumb enough to be a bass fisherman, though. Good enough. Yeah, that's a right. fact. He's fucking good. I mean, it's tough to make it in this world, but some of them guys... They're just good enough. Like, they can do it. You know, you... <clears throat> Whether this makes it or not, right? I mean, everybody's got this this burr in their saddle for Randy Blockett, right? I don't know the guy from Adam. Well, right. I fished with Randy. You did? Yeah. I fished with him at Clark's Hill. Okay. Back in 2008. No shit. He opened his rod locker. He had three rods in the rod locker and one on the deck. That's it? That's it. He had... Maybe two boxes of tackle. He was going to swim a speed worm or whatever the other technique was that he had. I think he had a couple spinner baits and something else. That was all he was going to do. What I'll tell you about him is every tournament day he fishes, he catches 13 and a half pounds. Look at his track record. Look how good that guy is. Right? Moina does the same thing. And that's what people don't understand about Moina, right? Because Tackle Warehouse Tour doesn't exactly, or, or Toyotas don't exactly go during prime time. Right. Right. They go to Dog this days. whenever the Chamber of Commerce has time for us to come in and fish. Right. Randy Blockett catches 13 and a half pounds a day or better every freaking day. It's not like the guy don't know what he's talking about. Right, right, 100%. Right? He was also one of the best fishermen before the Elite Series. Right. And then he went over to FLW. And guys can flat catch him to this day. For sure. You know? Yeah. So, uh, and and Moyna's the same way. I mean, you look at Moyna, he doesn't always catch giant bags. No. But to consistently go out on, on tour and catch 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 14 pounds a day, that's tough to do nationwide. It's not easy. Matt Becker's another one that being on the yep. Bagley team. Yep. That dude catches him every day. He does. Every day. And he's going to be good for that reason because he catches him every freaking day. It's a fact. You know, it's tough it's to do. Really tough to do. People don't understand how tough that is to do. It seems easy. In Minnesota boys, where 15 pounds doesn't cash a check, it's like 12, 13 pounds a day. I got that. Right. No problem. Should, should have been up at Vermillion the last week. Right. I heard it sucked. <clears throat> it looked like it sucked. Yeah. Ever changing. I've never seen it like change that much, like day to day to day to day to day to day to day. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Bugs? Like they just on bugs and don't want to eat No, nothing? I think they got off bugs and that was the problem. 
They just have too much food out there, man. I don't know what in the world happened. I don't. I don't really know. You'd think they'd react to some. They showed up shallow, shallow, doing things that they weren't doing in practice, and that's what I went to the second half. They caught twenty-four of them in the second half, and they were kind of on that all week. And I didn't really. I like kind of left it alone. <clears throat> Last day of the state TBF. I had like eight bites. Well, maybe ten. I broke two off. A vermilion. Then they went from throwing up four or five crayfish apiece to not throwing anything up. Where'd the crayfish go? I feel like they got on bugs. Well, the crayfish, but actually we ended up in a full moon with a molting. They're mush. Those crayfish were absolute mush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you didn't catch them in practice already cranking. Yeah. They hard shelled and they're when they're you know on yep. your deck or whatever. They're just like it was like you're holding a corpse in your hand. It's gross. Jeepers. <laughs> yeah, it went from hard shell tacos to ice cream yeah. Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> to the ice cream was left out in the sun for a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, they'd puke on my boat, and they were probably hard when they ate them, and they were kind of mushy. Yeah, yeah. But like, I could still like. Yeah off the front deck i could still off them off the deck but like when they're if they were eating them as sundays that's just well but they do and they when they don't have a shell on them they just gorge on them in that full moon of course that's probably why they weren't eating right that's why they didn't eat until noon on why would they that tournament why the hell would you eat anything else when you're plump full right talk to me an hour after thanksgiving see how i'll see how i'm feeling right right and that's like I, I every would day love for another that. piece of turkey. Yeah, one another piece of turkey. Let's do it. <laughs> Put it in that fryer frozen and see what happens. Dang do boom. Dang do boom. Tony Hatton, you're a legend. <laughs> I don't know about that. No, you are in my books, okay? And like here's the deal. People don't understand how many good fishermen there are out there. And I've been so fortunate to fish with just some really great fishermen. And Tony, like, you've taught me a lot. And I really just appreciate you coming out and checking out the new digs. You brought the Obi-Wan Kenobi robe. I did. It's fucking the Bass Galaxy. It's official now. Hatton's been on it. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. It's been fun, man. Thank you again. Thank you. And the tacos? If anybody wants to taste heaven, try some of Tony Hatton's homemade guacamole. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Bass Galaxy. (laughs) 